It's now time for the Billy C Show. Part of the BillyCBoxing.com network. And we're coming to you live from the Billy C Studios in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening, whenever you're watching, whenever you're listening. I hope you're doing okay today. Today's show is being brought to us in part by the Title Bout Championship Computer Game. Get yourself a copy right now. Visit our website, www.billycboxing.com, and click on the title bout championship computer game banner. Uh, also, southerngourmetspice.com, Kenny Bears, uh, barbecue rub, the best on the planet, plus my new favorite is his uh, Cajun Spice, or Blackened Spice, I think it's called. Uh, either way, I'm almost out, Kenny, so get me some more. But uh, got to get it, southerngourmetspice.com. And finally, my book. Yeah, I'm still hawking the book. Uh, Tom Molino from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet is available right now where all good books are sold. Uh, get yourself a um, copy today. Uh, just visit uh, barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. So uh, I'll do that. Hey, it's been a while. Uh, you know you know what Billy C always says. Who is this? Uh, I always say, I enjoy company. So I'm glad you guys are joining me right now. Uh, a few things I want to talk about. Uh, we're going to have uh, Dax Khan join us in a little bit. And also uh, my man, uh, Alice Papali. I wanted to cover um, a few things today. Uh, number one, a couple of big fights yesterday. I'll get to that in a second. Uh, I also wanted to uh, talk about uh, the announcement of the uh, projected or at least planned uh, Tyson Fury versus Anthony Joshua fight scheduled to take place sometime in June. Uh, and, of course, uh, the thing that uh, uh, rattled my cage and actually lit the fire under my ass uh, to do this show, uh, the passing of uh, Marvin Hagler. Um, I want to start with that uh, real quickly. Uh, well, you know what? We're going to talk a lot about that. So let, let, me, let me get to the fight results. Uh, in the welterweight division last, last night, Virgil Hills, I'm sorry, Virgil Hill. There's a blast from the past, right? Uh, Virgil Ortiz uh, improved to 17-0 and with 17 knockouts when he stopped uh, Maurice Hooker in the seventh round. Uh, Hooker drops to 27-2 uh, and two with three uh, of his wins or three of his fights coming to a draw, coming into a draw. But I'm a little rusty. I'm a little rusty, man. Uh, 19 of his wins came by uh, way of knockout. He was a former uh, junior welterweight champion moving up uh, to fight Ortiz. It was a pretty action-packed fight, uh, old school, and uh, enjoyed it. Uh, the fight that I, I was really looking forward to uh, and uh, I watched, of course, was uh, Lawrence uh, Oakley. Uh, he improved to 16-0 with 13 knockouts when he stopped uh, former world champion Christoph Glowaski uh, in the sixth round. Uh, Glaski drops to 31-3 and three with 19 uh, knockouts. He won the WBO uh, Cruiserweight title. It was vacant. And uh, Oakley, uh, you know, he was ranked only by the WBO at number seven. 
And uh, Christoph Glaski was uh, ranked uh, number one by the uh, WBO. Uh, and uh, I'm sorry, uh, Lawrence Oakley was ranked number two uh, by the WBO. Um, Glowatsky was ranked number one by the WBO and number 13 in the IBF. I, from what I heard, he was a three-to-one favorite, Oakley was, uh, in that fight. Three-to-one favorite, which kind of surprised me. I mean, Oakley, I enjoy watching him. He's a big guy, real big uh, for uh, uh, cruiserweight division. Uh, he did say he had plans to move up into the heavyweight division, and he really uh, seemed to be giving Glowaski uh, trouble, who was uh, at the top of that division for a long time. I was surprised at the odds, but uh, I guess the odds makers were correct uh, because the way the fight went uh, was Oakley all the way. It seemed like uh, Glowaski was having some trouble uh, with the height. And in the light heavyweight division, Artur Bidabiv uh, stopped Adam Dean's uh, in the 10th round to retain his WBC and IBF World Light Heavyweight titles. He improves to 16-0, all coming by knockout. And uh, Adam Deans drops to 19 wins, two losses, and a draw with 10 of his wins coming by knockout. Um, you know, I, 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 wasn't, I wasn't psyched for this fight, and I didn't watch it. Um, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, uh, Beater Beaver, uh, this, this was a stay-busy fight. They miraculously uh, ranked... Uh, Adam Dean's in the IBF. He, he all of a sudden appeared in the rankings. Wasn't anywhere uh, in the rankings on any of the other top uh, sanctioning bodies. So uh, makes you wonder uh, about that fight. I just I, it wasn't going to be a challenging fight to me uh, at all. Uh, the Ortiz Hooker fight was, and I thought Oakley and Glowski was would have been too. Uh, one other fight I want to point out in the bare knuckle fighting championship. Chop Chop Corley, I, I mention this because I, I know DeMarcus uh, personally fought on some of my cards. Um, he's 46 year old. He entered into the uh, uh, Bare Knuckle uh, Fighting Championship. Reggie Barnett uh, stopped him uh, in the fourth round officially when uh, Chop Chop Corley threw in the towel. Um, he was getting battered. Uh, 46 years old. I, I hope he's okay and I, I hope things aren't uh, so bad for him that. Uh, uh, he needed to uh, to do that. But uh, anyway, um, Marvelous Marvin Hagler passed away unexpectedly last week. Um, I, what can you say? You know, I, I got several emails uh, from people. I got a phone call from my man Augie in Riverhead, which, which incidentally, he told me he was watching uh, another show, which... Um, I, I, I'll mention, I never mention other shows, but, you know, uh, Max Kellerman, I guess, has a show now. I, I, don't, I don't even pay attention, but, um, and, and, and Augie told me that Max said that he thought Sugar Ray Leonard won the fight, but thought Marvin Hagler was a better fighter. And, and when Augie told me that yesterday afternoon, it's been sitting and resonating with me, and I want to comment on it. Um, first of all, and we'll talk about this a little later because both Dax and uh, Alex were with me when we were one year we were up at the Hall of Fame. And there's been a lot of discussion about the Marvin Hagler, Sugar Ray Leonard fight. And, you know, I, I, when I watched the fight live and o over all these years, I've, I've watched the fight uh, a lot. Okay, I don't know, a hundred times, really, that many times. And every time I scored the fight, I had the fight come out to a draw. When I watched the fight, 
without scoring it. I always thought Hagler won the fight. Um, we did a, a one year up at the Hall of Fame. Uh, the people that were involved with the show at the time and some uh, listeners, uh, I had rented a, a room and uh, we all watched the fight without sound. And we scored it. Everyone scored it. We paused it after each round, discussed it. Now, this was a collection of people that, you know, were very adamant about how they felt that fight go initially. Um, and it, it was pretty surprising to see, including my man Alex, who incidentally is covered with Marvin Hagler. He's got a, 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 a tattoo of one of the, actually the best tattoo I've ever seen of Marvin Hagler. Hagler. Um and, I mean, you know, Alex is a huge fan of, of The Marvelous One. Um, and even he, uh, his scores were, were tight, slightly different. When you're watching the fight, scoring it without sound, um, it was surprising to, to hear the comments from people who were shocked at themselves for the way they scored this fight. Um, I always scored the fight a draw. And, and now some of the rounds I had different. Um, you know, I'd flip-flop one round. One time I'd give the round to Hagler. One time I'd give the round to Sugar Ray. But, but my, my assessment of the fight was simple afterwards. Now, <laughs> all these years later, it's simple. It wasn't simple then, but it's simple now. And here's the thing. Um, Hagler didn't fight his fight. He started that fight trying to um, basically outbox Sugar Ray Leonard, which was a mistake. He also, there was some signs in that fight. We all pointed it out. You know, how he was clowning around and um, he wasn't himself in that fight. Should he have come uh, forward and, and fight that fight like he normally does, like the destroyer Hagler used to be? Uh, I don't think we, we are having this discussion so many years later. The other thing about the fight was Sugar Ray Leonard had an extremely smart game plan. Um, he stole some rounds uh, by coming on strong uh, in the... Uh, uh, last uh, uh, 30 seconds or so, um, you know, which I'm sure swayed uh, the judges. But the, the one thing, and, and Augie was saying, well, you know, uh, Hagler was the aggressor. Uh, uh, you know, he should have been. Yeah, he was chasing Leonard around the ring, but he wasn't landing any punches. Leonard was doing uh, a smart thing by avoiding shots and everything else. Um to suggest that Hagler was a better fighter than Sugar Ray Leonard. You know, that is the part of the statement that Max apparently made on his show that I can't get past. And I'll tell you why. There's an argument for both. I think that the case of Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard, when you look at the two of them, Marvin Hagler was, a, was the same kind of fighter. He was the fighter that, that did what he did. He's a Hall of Famer, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the greatest middleweights of all time. Put him in any era, and he's going to be good. Um, Sugar Ray Leonard did some things that were above and beyond what normal fighters do. I'm not suggesting Hagler was normal. Um, but uh, Hagler pretty much stayed in a middleweight division his whole career. Leonard moved around a little bit. Uh, Leonard had some dance partners that were... Um, that were, uh, you know, made his career. Uh, you know, he went up in weight, uh, challenged himself. The fight against Hagler was a challenge, a guy coming off of retirement. Um, I don't know if that's 
a statement that can be made either way. I don't think Leonard was a better fighter than Hagler, but I don't think Hagler was a better fight than Leonard. I think that they were two different fighters, and you can't say that in this particular case. You could turn around and say uh, Tyson was a better fighter than so-and-so, or Rocky Marciano was a better fighter than so-and-so, and so on and so on. You could say uh, Leonard was a better fighter than, than Hearns, or Hearns was a better fighter than Leonard. Whatever you want to say. There's a lot of fighters you can say that about. But I think with Marvin Hagler and Sugar Ray Leonard, those two fighters, I don't think you can say one was better than the other. I don't think that this fight proved it. Like I said all along and for all these years, I thought the fight ended in a draw. Marvin Hagler, he got pissed off, walked away from the sport. We never saw a rematch. Um, you know, the truth of the matter is, is that uh, Marvin Hagler felt that he was robbed. Remember something, this fight changed boxing. And the reason why it changed boxing is up to this point, the champion, uh, the challenger had to knock out the champion or really beat the shit out of him. That wasn't the case in this fight. Um, you know, it was a close fight. Could have gone either way. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of discussion about it to this day, but realistically, it was a close fight. Could have gone either way. Um, the judges scoring it for Sugar Ray Leonard, who was the media darling at the time, um, pissed Marvin Hagler off, pissed off a lot of fans. Uh, but that's the way it was. Um, I, the problem with this fight is that because it changed the sport, we've seen many fights like this where you have a dominating champion going into a fight and losing his belt uh, against a challenger in a close, could-have-gone-either-way kind of a fight. I remember watching Jimmy Young fight Muhammad Ali on uh, Wild World of Sports and was shocked when they handed uh, Ali the, the title back. It was a title defense. I thought Jimmy Young beat the snot out of Ali from uh, ring post to ring post in that fight. I mean, it wasn't a power slugfest, but, I mean, he outboxed Ali. And because um, he uh, didn't dominate, because he didn't drop Ali, uh, that was the unwritten rule. It changed in this fight, um, you know, uh, when they uh, fought, that's for sure, back in 1987. Uh, Marvin Hagler, when you look at Hagler's record, um, I mean, come on. Uh, he fought everybody that was available uh, to him uh, during his era. Uh, Ray Leonard, John Beast Mugabe. Now, remember, John Beast Mugabe, this fight, actually, uh, Sugar Ray Leonard has admitted that he saw uh, some stuff in this fight um, that prompted him to, uh, to go after uh, uh, Hagler. He thought that he lost the step. This fight went 11 rounds. Uh, John DeBeast Mugabe was, a, was a, a killer. But there was one thing. He was really more effective as a junior middleweight than he was as a middleweight. He did move up in weight, and it was a back-and-forth fight um, until uh, Hagler knocked him out in the 11th. Um, Tommy Hearns, they fought. That was the best three rounds of live boxing I ever witnessed in my life. I'll never forget the fight. And if you've never seen it, you better punch it up and watch it. Um, great, great fight. Uh, Mustafa Hamshaw, uh, another uh, opponent of Hagler's that was uh, a highly rated uh, fighter who Hagler took care of. Uh, Juan Domingo Roldan, another fight that another fighter that uh, passed away. Um, uh, he was stopped in 10. Uh, the great Roberto Duran, even though Duran uh, moved up st substantially, 
um, you know, uh, Caveman Lee, um, you know, uh, Vito Anafermo, Alan Minter when he won the title, Bobby Watts. I mean, I, you know, the, the name Sugar Ray Seals, Benny Briscoe. I mean, Benny Briscoe, uh, Philadelphia fighter, was was a was a fighter that uh, was uh, highly regarded. Willie the Pearl Monroe. I mean, uh, all, all all of these uh, fighters um, that that he fought on his way up. This was a, a an old school fighter, uh, Hagler. In his time, he was an old school fighter. Clearly, a, a, an old school fighter now, uh, compared to, to today's styles. Um, Marvin Hagler was uh, a guy that was a, a, a blue collar fighter through and through. Um, you know, uh, he was when he walked away from the sport. He, he walked away, became the Arnold Schwarzenegger of, of sorts in Italy uh, with the Italian films. Um, you know, I, I remember he was very uh, hard to uh, uh, get close to, although he loved going to the Hall of Fame. I remember uh, um, a, a, one of our uh, listeners, Dave Wilcox, Dave Wilcox, uh, uh, who was part of the show for a long time, uh, almost pissed all over him when he was shot. You know, this was like his idol. And he turns, he's in the bathroom, and who's standing next to him is Hagler. And Dave turns around, uh, you know, all excited and uh, uh, you know, I don't know if he if he caught Marvin uh, uh, with a stream or not, but uh, uh, but the uh, uh, moral of the story is is when you got Hagler, uh, he you know alone where you could talk to him, which I personally never did. Um, he was a cool guy, from what I understand, um, but he did keep his distance from the sport. He was turned off, and um, rightfully so. The rematch never happened. Not only was he robbed of a rematch, but we as the fans were robbed as a rematch. About his death, well, um, you know, I, I, every shot I saw of him, he was seemingly in great shape. Uh, 66 years old, that's young today. Um, you know, he still was uh, uh, running and, and still uh, doing things. Uh, uh, he wasn't an old 66. I'll never forget seeing Joe Lewis uh, at a fight. Uh, I, I wasn't. It was in, he was in Vegas. I wasn't live. I was watching it live on TV, and they have him in a wheelchair. I'll never forget the the, the shot of him. He's got his hat on, and he looks so old. And then to find out he was like sixty seven years old, sixty eight years old. He looked like he was one hundred and forty. Uh, Hagler looked good. Hagler still looked like Hagler. Uh, still looked like he could open up a can of whoop ass on you. Um, it, it reports uh, nothing definitive has been uh publicized but it sounds to me like it was a heart attack there was um some misinformation floating around that he got a, the vaccine for COVID-19 and uh uh died from that that's not true uh his wife uh came on and, and did make a statement that that was indeed uh not true but uh, Marvin Hagler uh, one of the greatest uh, of all time uh, and, uh, you know, we're going to miss him for, for sure. Uh, you know, I, I, don't, I don't know when you start uh, talking about uh, the Marvelous One, who you can really compare to him, uh, especially uh, today, uh, because uh, there's not many uh, that you can. I mean, uh, uh, it is what it is. It's a shame we lost him. I think his loss uh, is a huge impact on the sport, especially uh, for people that um, are big-time boxing fans, um, I, I it shook me. It shook me, That that's for sure. But uh, 
in any event, hey, uh, I was talking about uh, Kenny Bears. Uh, don't forget to get yourself uh, a bottle of his uh, uh, new stuff. I, I love his uh, uh, Cajun Black and Season and also his regular uh, uh, barbecue rub, which is uh, second to none. Speaking of second to none, uh, joining us right now uh, is my man, uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning, Billy C. It's been a while. Yeah, I was real rusty kicking off the show, but uh, I think I think uh, we're going to be back. There's a lot of stuff to uh, uh, discuss. There's some big fights coming up. But first, let, let's talk about uh, Marvin Hagler. I, I know you were a big fan, and I mentioned earlier, and I wanted you to talk more about it too, but, uh, you know, when, when we all got together to watch that um, Hagler uh Sugar Ray Leonard fight. I mean, it, it kind of kind of opened up a lot of people's eyes. But get, give us some thoughts on on Marvin Hagler, the fighter, first, and and what the loss means to you. Well, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. I'm drinking coffee at the same time. You know, without a doubt, you know, it was a shock. You know, Marvin Hagler has never been one of those guys who is in the media a lot. You know, he's not one. He's never been one of those fighters who craved attention. You know, even when he was active. So, um, the only time really in the last uh, probably decade or two that you heard about Marvin Hagler is either when he was making an appearance at the Hall of Fame, or um, there was something about him in Italy where he was a huge star over in Italy. Um, you know, in films and, you know, just in pop culture in general. And um, without a doubt, Marvin Hagler, in a way, was, you know, the king of the four kings, considering Duran, Leonard, and Hearns were at welterweight and Marvin was at middleweight. And that was at a time where the higher the weight class, you know, uh, the, the, the more dominant, you know, the fighter was considered. You know, again, that was back in an era unlike today that the heavyweight champion of the world was the champion of the world. So, you know, the light heavyweight champion, then came the middleweight champion, then came the welterweight champions. So um, in that uh, sense, you love Marvin Hagler because... He was a blue-collar guy, and for those reasons, like I stated, he wasn't, you know, a media darling. He didn't look for that attention. He had that one mindset of uh, war. You know, you would see it on his hat. You would see it on, you know, for several fights. Um, you know, you, he's the type of guy that you could actually picture living in your neighborhood or running into one day. So that is a reason why, you know, you thought to yourself, Marvin Hagler is the common everyday, you know, genuine blue collar fighter that, you know, everybody really uh, aspired towards because they are the, the type of guy he was relatable to, if that makes sense. Yeah. The most relatable to out of uh, the four kings. Yeah, um, it, it does because... Well, you know, it's it's it is hard. I mean, that era with especially the four kings, all great fighters. But yeah, I I know what you're saying. You know, Hagler had this 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 feel about him that uh, uh, just whether you loved him or hated him, he he drew you to him. You know, and uh, uh, it was I, the, every time you mention Marvin Hagler, the fight that comes to my mind isn't the Sugar Ray Leonard fight. It's the Tommy Hearns fight. I mean, that fight made such an impact on me, and, and it should have made it on the sport. Sometimes, and you're more into the social media than me, but sometimes I get the feel that it's almost a forgotten fight. Do, do you ever feel that way? Hagler and Hearns? No, not at all. But and just uh, um, to reiterate real quick, when I said, you know, like the king of the king, that doesn't mean that I feel Marvin was the best boxer of them all. It was just at that time, uh, you know, 
popularity went according to weight classes, you know, and Marvin being the middleweight champion and the other guys being the smaller uh, champions is was my um, my point. But um, no, I don't, that's not a forgotten fight at all. It's talked about by even, you know, young fans that were not around at that point in time and they seen on, you know, only on YouTube or maybe highlights on ESPN. You know, it is, you know, one of the greatest three rounds of all time. But my, personally, my most... Um, memorable uh, Marvin Hagler fight for for me personally was his fight against you know John Mugabe and that's only because I was a young kid and I watched it live and you know it was such a, a great card I believe you know Thomas Hearns uh, knocked out James Shuler and I believe it was the second round um, you had uh, I think Steve Darnell was on there uh, Richie Sandoval suffered his first loss that was you know but the, the war between Marvin and uh, Mugabe um, I, I forget how long that went, about 10 rounds it was, and, you know, it was just back and forth and forth. And what I understand, I believe, uh, the rumor was that Marvin Hagler actually um, peed blood for a week after that fight. Yeah, it went 11 rounds, and uh, Mugabe, I, I remember the, the lead-up to that fight actually thinking John the Beast Mugabe, and a lot of experts thought that he was going to upset Hagler. Hagler, at that point, people were starting to use the he's getting old thing and everything else. The thing about John the Beast, and this isn't about him, but this was a guy that I, I didn't even think reached his full potential, Dax. He, he, he had trouble with weight throughout his career. Um, he was in the junior middleweight division, so he did move up for this fight. But, yep, you're, you're right. It was a great fight. Uh, but the talk most people do, and, I'm, and, and just to go back to my original question to you, I'm glad for you to inform me that a lot of young fans do talk about uh, the Hearns Hagler fight because um, it, it made an impact on on me and I, I I can I can watch the fight. As a matter of fact, we're gonna have Alex come on a little bit and he he updated his tattoo and and I was looking at the tattoo and I'm talking to him and I go that and before I talk to him I'm looking I'm go he's got the friggin' blood coming down off of Hagler's head. The only time I ever saw Hagler oh, did he really? in the in the Hearns fight, you know, remember when, Remember after that round, yeah, yeah. The, the blood was trickling down? Well, uh, Alex has that part of his tattoo. It's great. But anyway, Sugar Ray Leonard fight, um, and, and, and I got a call from, I don't know if you caught this earlier, but I got a call from uh, one of our uh, big fans in uh, Riverhead, Long Island, my man Augie, and he made a statement, which I'll get to in a second, but remember um, the fight against Leonard, and we watched it. We all watched it without um, sound, and we were surprised. Most people that were involved in that were surprised that their own opinions and own previous scores were slightly different. Tell us what uh, you went through when we watched that that day. Yeah, I, you know, one thing to point out is even as a kid, I remember a lot of diehard fans who were disgusted with that outcome. I have an uncle that actually stopped watching boxing because of that outcome. And not so much that he was... He was a Hagler fan. He was a fan of Leonard. He was a fan of both. But he truly believed that Marvin Hagler won that fight due to the reasons that you mentioned earlier. That you know, to to become the champion, you know, you have to beat the champion. And Hagler was the champion at the time. You know, and, and still to this day, a lot of um, you know fans who were really uh, into the sport back then that watch on a regular basis will still say the same thing that you know Marvin Hagler should have won that fight. And we and we were a lot of us were surprised that night that we were up in Canastota. I think that was 
I think that was 2012 and or, or 2011 that we were up there and we did that. And I think all but one of us actually had Hagler winning that fight. And then I think everybody at the end, if I'm not mistaken, um, had Ray ahead slightly. I, I don't remember the, what the scores were, but what I do remember, first of all, I've always scored that fight a draw, and I did that day as well, but I had flip-flop rounds. Some rounds previously I had given to Hagler, some I gave to Leonard. But what surprised me the most when we watched it that day was how many people in that room who were talking, as remember, we all had the discussion and stuff before the fight, how they felt the fight went, and then during the fight, how their scores changed. Remember we, we discussed after each round who scored what, and that was pretty fun. I, I wish we, uh, we did that more often, but uh, it was a tough fight. I, I just, to this day, I don't think that it should have been anything less than a draw because we would have seen the rematch. It pissed Hagler off so much. He walked away from the sport, never to return. You know, the two fighters that I respect the most for doing that uh, was Marvin Hagler and, of course, Lennox Lewis. Uh, and, and, you know, they, they, Lennox Lewis walked away as a champion, which is pretty tough to do, especially in today's world when they're throwing all kinds of money at you. And uh, Hagler just felt wronged by the sport that he gave his, uh, his basically his life to, and uh, uh, it just didn't work out. You know, one thing to point out about Hagler is uh, is an old story that I've heard before and um, Iceman John Scully I believe is who reminded me of it day or two after Hagler died and that's um, you know Marvin spent his whole career with uh, the Petronelli brothers right you know they trained him they managed him and you know Hagler was not early on in his career looked at as a guy that was going to be an all-time great you know, but the Petronelli brothers, they believed in him. And then once he started making big money for his fights, uh, one of the Petronelli brothers or the both Petronelli brothers approached him and said, listen, instead of taking the contract at 10%, how about you just pay us a flat fee? And this way, you know, Marvin was able to maintain more of his purse. You know, they wanted him to be able to maintain as much of his purse as possible instead of the opposite where, you know, they were figuring out a way where they can get more of his money. And Hagler actually um, replied to them that, no, you're going to take your standard 10 percent and we're not going to have this conversation again or I'll fire you both. And, you know, and uh, which is, you know, it's unheard of today. It's unheard. I mean, it's pretty much unheard of throughout history. But, it, you know, that just speaks volumes of the relationship that those three had together and uh, how they were able to start from square one and build a legacy. I, I remember he was one of the last guys, I think, and maybe you know different, one of the last guys that, that followed the old Rocky Marciano uh, he used to jog in, in work boots, you know, construction boots and, and do all of that, you know, uh, old school stuff, which he was an old school fighter then, you know, uh, compared to today. But uh, anyway, here's a statement. Uh, my man Augie said he was watching Max Kellerman and Max was talking about the fight. And he made this statement that he said he thought Sugar Ray Leonard won the fight, but he thought Hagler was a better fighter. Well, I, I've, I can't let go of that because... I think you can make an argument for, for two fighters that are in the same weight class. I think you and I, uh, we've probably, I know we did it uh, with heavyweights, but um, I, I know we could have this discussion and say who was a better fighter, whether we agree with each other or not, and give cases why. I think in this case, in my opinion, Dax, and, and maybe you have a different one, uh, 
I, I don't think you can say that about these two guys. I, I think that Sugar Ray Leonard may have accomplished more in terms of, you know, moving up in weight and fight, challenging himself here and there where Hagler was in the same division his whole career. But that fight, to me, didn't say that Hagler was better. I, I don't think Hagler, I think they were two different fighters. I, I think this is one pair of fighters you cannot say one was better than the other. I think it's similar with, with Manny Pacquiao and, and Floyd Mayweather, although I think Pacquiao is actually a better fighter. I think in all due respect to Mayweather, you can't really say that about those. What's your thoughts on um, Max thinking that uh, Sugar Ray won the fight, but Hagler's a better fighter? Oh, one, imagine in this era, staying in one weight division your whole career. My, you know, you're, who are you ducking? You're ducking um, every, every fighter with a license, you know, according to today's fans. But in, in that statement, the way I would take that is Hagler was the better fighter in terms of just that word, a fighter. Ray was, I believe Ray was a better boxer, but, you know, as a stand there, come forward, trade fighter, Hagler was definitely, you know, better of the two. You know, Ray was more flashy. Uh, you know, Ray moved more. Ray uh, was more appealing to the eye. But, you know, in terms of, you know, just going in there and um, let's see who walks out of here, you know, uh, you know, still standing upright, I would say Marvin Hagler every day of the week just because Hagler was just... Not that Sugar Ray was not tough. I'm just saying, you know, Marvin Hagler just had that different set, uh, different mindset. You know, kind of like that um, thing that you, you'll see on social media passed around where they'll have uh, a group, two groups of fighters and they'll say, to, uh, they'll ask each other, you know, who would you rather have watching your back in a bar fight or a street fight? You know, if um, you asked me, would I rather have Marvin Hagler or would I rather have Sugar Ray standing behind me in, you know, a bar fight? I'd definitely pick Marvin Hagler every day of the week, yeah. if that makes any sense. No, it does. It does. You know, looking at uh, Hagler's last three fights, um, obviously my favorite, Tommy Hearns in, in uh, April of 1985, three rounds of... of uh, it was just great, uh, great fight. The, the only fight that comes close is Benny Kid Perret against uh, Gene Fulmer. That fight was, jeez, uh, that was 10 rounds of, of nonstop. But um, you look at the Hearns fight, and it was a war. Uh, that was the name of the fight, too, if I recall correctly. They, they billed it as the war. Um, yeah, they did, man. But Marvin had that mindset all the time. Well, this is, this, and that's what you loved about it. This is what I'm getting at, all right? So you got Tommy Hearns. You know, war, right? He steps in the ring uh, a year later um, against the beast Mugabe. And, you know, for all intent purposes, that fight was a war as well. Um, it started a little slow, but it was a back and forth fight uh, until the end uh, in the 11th of, of 12 rounds. And then he steps in the ring with Sugar Ray Leonard in 1987, all a year apart. These fights, April of 85 was the Hearns fight, March of 86 was the Mugabe fight, and April of 87 was the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, all one year apart, basically. And he goes into that with that fight plan to try to outbox Sugar Ray Leonard in the first half of the fight. What do you think he was thinking? I think Ray was in his head a little bit. I think that might have been the only time that, looking at Marvin's career, he felt a little bit disrespected by the media. And oh, he was. He was. that and between Ray kind of being in his head, I think Marvin wanted to, um, you know, and again, I'm speculating, prove that he can outdo, you know, he could beat Ray at his own game. 
Well, that's so, uh, that that pretty much I think uh, let Sugar Ray uh, steal that fight in a sense because you know and 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 he also switched. Remember, he went. He's a he's a southpaw fighter, but he he switched to orthodox for a little bit in that fight, which was also. Uh, a mistake, and then he was clowning around. He was doing things that were not Marvin Hagler, and I wonder if that swayed the judges. I mean, I, you know, we watched that fight a million times. You think that, that swayed the that, judges? That could be. I just, I just believe that you know he was taken out of his mindset a little bit, Bill, because he felt disrespected, and not by Ray Leonard personally, just by the overall buildup of that fight. Remember, leading up to that fight. Even though Hagler was the middleweight champion, focus was on Ray Leonard pretty much. All the time. And I think that that's what uh, bothered uh, Marvin Hagler the most. But uh, I, I listen, Marvin Hagler, I, I was shocked that he died. When I heard the announcement uh, uh, during that fight, I, I, was, I was shocked. And, uh, you know, it's easy to say because it's, it's, it's become a cliche, but... I don't think there'll ever be a fighter like Marvin Hagler again. I think the sport has changed. I think the mindset of fighters have changed. I think the business of boxing has changed. And the the Marvin Hagler, the, the road Marvin Hagler took from, you know, becoming a professional fighter all the way until his last fight wasn't an easy one. And he fought everybody uh, that was available to him uh, on their way out and on their way up. Uh, throughout his career and I, I just hope it's a shame that fighters have a tendency especially fighters have a tendency to get more recognition after we lose them I think Marvin Hagler was getting the recognition that he deserved while he was still with us but I think he should be getting even more now that he's gone what's your thoughts no I, I my thought is actually anytime a discussion comes up on who the greatest middleweight of all time is. It's either Marvin Hagler, it's Sugar Ray Robinson, or it's Carlos Monzon. You know, so I don't think at all that Marvin Hagler doesn't get the accolades that he deserves. And in terms of fighting everyone, you know, the sport has changed so much, you know, politics-wise and money-wise. Whether or not it's a Marvin Hagler or anybody, we're really not going to see that. But um, I, I would probably say, even though the level of competition isn't as good, the only other person within recent years that kind of had that same mentality of, you know, let's fight, I'll fight anybody at any point in time, just put him into the ring, is uh, Golovkin. Right, but he didn't have the dance partners. Hagler, yeah, exactly, that's what I'm saying. But I'm yeah. just saying just that mindset of, you know, let's let's just go in here and let's fight, no talk, no uh, no build up, you know, no hoopla. Let's just go in there and let's see who's the best. Hagler, we'll talk our hands, not our mouth. I agree. Hagler uh, is a top fighter in any era, and I think that that is the definition today. Uh, when you talk about who is better, who, you know, eras, blah blah blah. When you could take a fighter and insert him in any era, and he's still successful. To me, that defines a great fighter. Stanley Ketchel. I, you know. I actually have this poster that um, I'll show you one day from, I think it was 1997, Boxing Hall of Fame, where I have uh, all four. I have uh, Marvin Hagler, Roberto Duran, and Sugar Ray Leonard, and Tommy Hearns all signed the poster. Um, also, Benitez signed the poster. And, uh, you know, I have a lot of, uh, uh, you know, Archie Moore and a lot of other guys. But I have, uh, you know, um, all four kings signed that poster. 
That's cool. Uh, how, when did you get all of them to sign? And, uh, back in '97. You, they were all to, they were all there. Uh, I, I believe uh, that brought it back another year, but in ninety in '97, I believe it was Marvin, and I think it was Tommy, and I think um, Ray. What was the for Hagler, uh, and then I got some other stuff. But what was the fight that you thought that made uh, the biggest impact on you? On me, as I stated earlier, was the Mugabe fight because that was the first fight. You know, again, I was only about you know twelve. You know, that was the first time that you know I ever sat down and was really excited and watched the full entire fight card. You know, by myself. Um, I forget where everybody else in the family was, but you know, I seen uh, Marvin Hagler and Tommy Hearns were going to be on TV, and you know, I actually blew everything up, blew my friends off, I blew everything off and, and sat there and watched it and I was just mesmerized by that war between um, Mugabe and Hagler. You know, you, you talk about uh, great middleweights and, and, you know, Sugar Ray Robinson, of course, um, Marvin Hagler. Uh, you know, the, the two names that pop into my head that, you know, I know that Hagler would fit in with, with the all-time greats and could be successful in every era, every era, but uh, Stanley Ketchell and Harry Greb are two uh, middleweights that, you know, if you did have a time machine and you could put these guys in, I would love to see how he would have done against those two guys because those are another pair of middleweights that I feel could have been successful in, in any era, especially Harry Greb. I mean, Stanley Ketchell, all right, he was just to come at you, uh, you know, uh, slayer, to, so to speak. But I, how, how do you think he would have done against those two I think I actually would have picked Hagler because I believe Hagler uh, why they all had that same mentality I believe Marvin was a better boxer you know um, at least from you know footage that I've seen on both of those guys a um, couple of things real quick last night we had a couple of fights uh, Virgil Ortiz uh, stopped Maurice Hooker uh, it was an exciting fight uh, there you go there was a throwback fight um, do you think Ortiz uh, gets a shot at one of the top welterweights next? I'd like to see him hold off a little bit, me personally. Well, who's there for I, him? Who, who would you like to see him fight? I would like to, um, to see him fight maybe, you know, uh, David Avenesian. I'd like to see uh, uh, Jesse Vargas, uh, Sergey Lipinets, you, know, um, you know, some ex-champions that are, you know, still – they're versatile. They have different styles. I um, mean, you know, they're not um, they're not shot. And I believe that what we need to see, and because of the way that Maurice Hooker was able to utilize his jab at a distance last night, even though Virgil Ortiz was kind of walking through it, but you know, I'd like to see Virgil Ortiz be able to kind of uh, move his feet a little bit more. Um, you know, laterally, you know, side to side rather than, you know, come straight forward. Even though, you know, he does have underrated defense, I would just like to see him, you know, use angles a little bit more with his feet before he steps in there against one of the uh, the more experienced champions. Not that any of them hit harder than hit, uh, Virgil Ortiz does, and not that any are more um, intense than Virgil Ortiz Jr. is. Uh, you know, they're just more experienced than Virgil Ortiz Jr. I, I, I just, Mikey Garcia is the name that, that pops up uh, for me. I, I would love to see him uh, take on uh, Mikey for sure, but uh, 
Yeah, um, but yeah, my, you know that fight. I don't think is going to happen. No, who's in uh, Virgil's corner? No, I, I, I know, but I mean, I'm just saying. I, I think, that, yeah, I know that's a small little detail, <laughs> but, uh, but I just think that that's the fight that uh, I would like to see for both because you know Garcia's a great fighter. Uh, I would like to see how uh, Ortiz's pressure uh, would uh, would affect him. But uh, Lawrence uh, Oakley uh, knocked out Christoph Glozaki last night. Uh, in England, I I, I thought I, I was a little surprised at the ineffectiveness of uh, Goatsky in that fight. Christoph was a, a, a champion in that division. Um, you know, only went into that fight with with only two losses. Was rated number one by the WBO. He was rated in, in the top fifteen of the IBF. Uh, was a three to one underdog. Lawrence uh, Oakley was only rated in the WBO. I think it was the size that gave him all kinds of trouble, uh, Glowacki. What do you, What do you think? Yeah, I mean Oakley's a a, you know, a huge cruiserweight. You know, I mean he he's you know he's definitely a heavyweight size. He doesn't have really the heavyweight frame, um, but he's only twenty eight. And nowadays uh, the average heavyweight doesn't really fill out until about thirty two, thirty three. But you know he's six foot five. Um, and yes, I believe that, you know, size definitely did play a, uh, a major factor into it. I believe that, um, if I'm not mistaken, that uh, Oakley has been uh, busier than uh, Glowacki. And Glowacki had not, he didn't look very good um, in his last outing against uh, Marius Breedis. I think that only lasted uh, a, a couple rounds, so... Um, and then the last, and I'm and I'm not taking anything away from the win of Oakley. You know, it, you know, it was a great win. I just believe that you know there were a lot of factors um, going in. I would like you know to see Oakley uh, against. Uh, you know, I'd like to see him against you know some of the uh, guys like maybe um, Dorticos or something like that before uh, he steps in and he fights. Um, you know, the for the uh, undisputed belt. Yeah, well, I think it's a long way off for that, to be honest, which I think, uh, you know, that's the problem with titles today. You and I have discussed that a million times. It's just too easy to get a belt. Um, uh, you know, I, I don't know if he's if he's ready for... Uh, we'll see. Who knows? Um, but uh, the other fight, I, I didn't even watch. And um, I, I was surprised it went as long as it did. Peter Beave stopping Adam Deans uh, in the 10th round. Um Deans wasn't anywhere to be found in the rankings until last week. He was all of a sudden rated in, in the uh, uh, IBF, I believe. Uh, what was your thoughts on that fight? I'm sure you watched it. Uh, well, it happened just as ex uh, expected, you know, to I am. Um, I my only surprise in that fight is, as you stated, that it went that long. Yeah, I, and especially with a guy who's, you know, never never won a fight without knocking his opponent out in uh, Beater Beef. But I, you know... I... Beater Beef, what I've noticed about him, in my opinion, is sometimes he has a tendency to fight down to his level of competition. Yeah, no, you're right. Uh, uh, and you a lot of fighters I mean? uh, do that. Uh, uh, Enrico uh, Quelling, who is a good fighter, but he is not a great fighter that, you know, um, he brought him um, 12 rounds. And I was actually thinking that that, you know, we might see some sort of a odd, you know, odd outcome on the cards in that fight. I was I was kind of worried that, you know, they were going to um, actually rob Peter Biev on that, on that 
and um, you know the Vodzik fight. You know, that's where we actually got to see, you know, the best of Peter Biev, in my opinion, considering, you know, the talent level and skill level of, uh, of Vodzik. So that's, um, you know, I, I really, you know, I really don't know what to make on that. And uh, the light heavyweight division right now, you know, we have uh, the Joe Smith Jr. and uh, Vlasov fight coming up in April. You know, that's been uh, postponed twice now, I believe. And I think, you know, once that fight happens, which I... Um, I'm pretty sure that Joe Smith Jr. is going to win that. And I would love to see a fight between Joe Smith Jr. and uh, Archer Bidabiev. You know, two big, strong, light heavyweights who can punch like mules. And don't forget Bivol. You know, Dimitri Bivol is the, is the odd man out all of a sudden, yeah. you know? Bivol's been MIA for quite some time. Yeah, well, he's fighting, uh, I think he's fighting in a couple of weeks. But uh, anyway, lastly, I, I want to discuss the uh, announcement that... Uh, Anthony Joshua and Tyson Fury have signed a two-fight deal. Um, it ain't official yet. I mean, they put their ink to the paper. Now they got a certain amount of time before the contract expires if they can't find a location. It was a two-fight deal, uh, according to uh, multiple sources. Um, they're looking for a location, site fees. It seems like it might be over in the Middle East because of the money that they're throwing around. Um the first fight, 50-50, first split, which I love. Second fight, 60-40. I love the, the details of the contract, and I love the fight. The hype's already started. Tyson Fury saying he hasn't even been training. He's just drinking beer. I don't believe that. What do you think? No, no that's you know, that's uh, Tyson Fury's M.O. Uh, you know, remember, he did that with Klitschko. Remember coming out with his belly sticking straight out, and you know, as as if he had gained, you know, gained a hundred pounds overnight, and you know, that's just um, his shtick. You know, Tyson Fury is a master of mind game, so no, I, I don't believe that Tyson Fury is out of shape at all. You know, so we've talked about this potential matchup forever. Um, you know, a lot of stuff has come out with Deontay Wilder. There's a lot of question marks about his uh, sanity. Uh, you know, the, the, the Mark Breland comments that were out several weeks back um, where Breland said he could beat some of his, his uh, victories, some of his wins on his resume, which, <laughs> uh, but, but the truth of the matter is, all kidding aside, Dax, I mean, we've been saying this about Deontay Wilder for a long time. I, I look at this now, and, and I bring up Deontay only for one reason. I look at the performance, both performances that Tyson Fury had against Deontay Wilder, and I have to start to think, were these fantastic performances by Tyson Fury, or did he just face an opponent that we all knew was overrated? And does he take that, that type of, of fighter that we've seen against Wilder against Anthony Joshua? Anthony Joshua has shown a suspect chin, but aside from that, um, he's a, a, a solid fighter. I've always said that I thought that Anthony Joshua could beat Tyson Fury because I didn't think that Tyson Fury had the uh, power to knock him out. He showed that he does have knockout power by knocking out Deontay, but Deontay, I've said all along, has a glass chin, but so does AJ. I, there's uh, so many things to talk about with this fight. How, how do you see it going if uh, today? We may change our opinions next week, the week after, two weeks from now. But how do you see this fight going, assuming it takes place in June as planned? Um, one, just to hit off on the location and the the, uh, the timing of it, 
that's kind of, um, and due to nobody else's fault, you know, just because of the times that are going on throughout the world with, uh, you know, COVID still, I would hate to see this fight happen in the Middle East. I, you know, I would love for this fight to happen, you know, at Wembley where they're going to easily get 90,000 fans or, you know, a big stadium in the U.S., but because it's two British fighters, uh, you know, the big money would be over in the U.K. and, you know, uh, pay-per-view or um, the zone, wherever they decide to uh, show it, you know, is how we're going to see that here. But um, I believe that Tyson Fury is the more versatile fighter than Anthony Joshua. Um, you know, not that Anthony Joshua is not, um, you know, uh, an elite caliber boxer. It's just I believe, you know, Tyson Fury. No, he's still not a one punch knockout artist. That doesn't believe that. That doesn't mean he doesn't have the ability. It's just Tyson Fury doesn't sit down on his punches. You know, but Tyson Fury, he's so nimble on his feet. Anthony Joshua, he has stamina problems. Even in the Andy Ruiz Jr. rematch, you know, it had to be fought at a certain, uh, you know, at a, a slower pace. You know. Anthony Joshua, he's going to have to come down in weight, and for Anthony Joshua to come down in weight, he has to shed some of that muscle, and by him shedding some of that muscle, Tyson Fury, um, that is going to allow him to do what he did kind of like he did against Deontay Wilder, add some extra weight, and he's going to still maintain that stamina and that extra weight and that extra height. He's going to be able to, you know, wear Anthony Joshua down. Um, you know, I believe that you know we could see that happen. I um, I also believe that you know Anthony Joshua because he has a different type of power than um, Deontay Wilder, even though he's a one punch guy, his power is more of a thudding than Deontay Wilder's more like, you know, a, a lightning type power where, you know, it just happens so fast and so quick that, you know, uh, his opponent's body doesn't have time to react. Where Anthony Joshua, you know, he's kind of, um, on every punch, you know, kind of leaves an impact. And then that last big punch is the one that does it. But Tyson Fury, as we've seen, has a solid amount of uh, punch resistance getting knocked down and staying down are two different things so I just think um, Tyson Fury has more in his overall repertoire between the footwork between being able to fight at a distance and in close and the mind games I just believe that all those together is what's going to get um, under Anthony Joshua's skin who can easily be rattled and Anthony Joshua at times and we've seen it and I believe that's what caused the um the Andy Ruiz Jr. loss is Anthony Joshua, much like Lennox Lewis, can be arrogant at times and uh, not take an opponent seriously. And Tyson Fury, you have to take serious as cancer. I think he's going to take uh, Fury seriously. There's no doubt. I don't think you'll see a, a mental uh, lapse uh, like we saw with the first Ruiz fight. I also think that his boxing ability... Deontay Wilder doesn't have any boxing ability. He's got punching power. It was, it was, I think that's easier for Tyson Fury to defend against. I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to withstand it from Anthony Joshua, but we will see. I do agree with you that basically uh, Tyson Fury's ring smarts far exceed Anthony Joshua's only because... Um, you know, not that Anthony Joshua is not an intelligent guy. It's just that in, inside the ring, uh, Tyson Fury is able to utilize every little piece of data that he can process, and he processes it quickly. Um, I think that Anthony Joshua has to, they have to formulate a game plan, and he'll stick to it. Once you have to go to another part of the game plan, that's when Anthony Joshua starts to fumble a little bit where – Tyson Fury exceeds, he excels when he can, uh, you know, make a change on the fly. So it's going to be interesting uh, to see 
for sure. Well, I would like me personally because this will be for the, you know, whoever wins this one is going to be the heavy uh, heavyweight champion of the world. There's there is no other pieces scattered around, you know. So um, that right there makes the fight more significant. But if the first fight is, you know, a really good fight, no matter who wins, and then um, we can have a second fight or, you know, possibly even a trilogy, and, you know, both guys are in their prime and both guys with the popularity that they have, you know, it could actually be a case of where this revitalizes boxing in terms of bringing in, you know, um, you know, the casual fan, you know, and nothing still to this day even for people who don't watch boxing, catches their attention like the word the heavyweight championship. 100% agree with you, Dax. And it, I thought what, you know, I was ready to, I was ready to cut you off because I thought you were going to say another aspect of this. You know, you're right. It'll be for the heavyweight uh, championship. How long will the sanctioning bodies let that happen before they toss in a mandatory to one of these, to the winner where he gets stripped and then you start the ball game again. I mean, I'm looking at the 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 I uh, printed out the these um, rankings yesterday, and you know you look at you look at the WBC. Okay, Tyson Fury's the world heavyweight champ. Uh, Povetkin's the interim champ. Uh, IBF they rate one world champion as does the WBO. That's Anthony Joshua. And then you go to the WBA. The WBA has the balls to list four people as world champions. Anthony Joshua is is the super champion. Trevor Bryan, your guy, uh, is the world champion. Helenus uh, and and uh, uh, Emmanuel Char both have pieces of it. Um, I, I I think that's embarrassing. If I'm the WBA. I have to show some form of embarrassment, but then again, uh, they're doing it for the money. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, that that was going to be my reply is people have to remember that sanctioning bodies make their money due to those fees that they tack on for their champions to defend the belt. And the bigger that the combined purses is, the better off the sanctioning body makes out. So I believe that because this is going to be huge in terms of financial dividends, you know, so imagine what three times would bring in. You know, this, of course, this is assuming that um, no matter who wins that, you know, the, the first fight is, you know, competitive, you know, and then, then if the, you know, then if the second fight, you know, um, the opposite person should happen to win. Imagine what the third fight would bring in. So I think the sanctioning bodies would be only it would be stupid. They'd actually uh, that would be bad business for them to throw in a mandatory well, because if you're not going to get five mandatories against either one of them that's going to make the sanctioning body the amount in sanctioning fees that one Anthony Joshua Tyson Fury fight would bring in. I agree, but sanctioning bodies don't do the smartest things a lot. You know? Well, they, no, this is true, but I mean, we're, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look into an, you know, an ideal situation. No, no, you're, you're, you're trying to figure out a common sense situation and, you know, you're, the, the, the fact that the sanctioning bodies don't display common sense at times, uh, that's the little... Uh, uh, you know, wild card in the mix, but the WBA did last week. Um, they did uh one good thing, and that's where they uh temporarily suspended the judge from the Roman Gonzalez and the uh Juan Estrada and the Juan Francisco Estrada fight. Yeah, you know, 
that fight, I'm glad you brought that up. That fight, um, I, you know, I loved it. I loved it. I, I talked briefly about it off air with, with Alex the other day. I, you know, I don't know how I feel about the fight. I think Juan Estrada is a bigger fighter. Chocolito has had a, 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 a pretty, uh, pretty good career. He's taken a lot of shots. I, I thought he ran out of gas, Dax. Um, uh, Gonzalez. I, I thought he ran out of gas. I thought his game plan should have been modified a little bit. Um, I, I I think the fight was a draw. I thought the fight was a draw. I wouldn't have been surprised if it's... I, I know most people hate draws, but sometimes it's the right thing. And I thought it was in that case. It just seems like the powers that be, when, when they get uh, Gonzalez in a close fight, they, they, they never go his way. I don't understand it. Yeah, I mean... Um... There were times where I really believe that Estrada was using the wrong game plan, uh, you know, because Estrada, in his last few fights, has shown to be a smarter fighter than what he was in there against Roman Gonzalez on on that night. And I don't know if maybe you know it's been it was a little bit mental, you know. There's been um, you know what was that last fight? Eight years in the work in the buildup, and you know so maybe um, Estrada mentally felt like he had something to prove and you know the old saying when you go and you seek a knockout is when it doesn't happen and Estrada thinking to himself well I knocked out Kudras who Gonzalez barely beat I beat the man that literally you know almost decapitated him you know by now now that we're up in weight and now I am the bigger fighter I am the younger fighter I am the guy that has less miles on me I should be able to go out there and I should be able to put on a dominant performance and um, avenge my loss from back in I think that was what 2011 to 2012 and maybe he was a bit surprised that Gonzalez actually had as much in him as he did on that night I was surprised but um, I also believe that Roman Gonzalez, he's definitely hit his, his cap. Um, even if he had won this fight, you know, he, he still hit his cap. He's never been a big puncher at 115 pounds. He does have a lot of mileage on him. The older he gets, any fighter gets, uh, they're going to have to move up, especially how close those lower divisions are in terms of weight. And the next division up is one where would be a total disaster. You know, um, if he moved up uh, a division... He would, um, let's say, even if he took on uh, Rigandauer Donaire, that would be a disaster. But imagine if he went in there against the monster, uh, Onoyo Inui. So I think that maybe in a Strata 3 fight, or maybe even a Rung BC 3 fight, um, would be a good way for um, Roman Chocolatito Gonzalez to end his career because every fighter has one last good performance in him. And I believe. Maybe, I believe, you know, uh, the one his last performance against Estrada and the uh, the Afi fights, I think those were his last good performances at that level. If he was in a um, higher weight class, let's say uh, 129 and above, throughout his whole career with his skill set, he'd be an all-time great, and people would talk about him for 100 years to come because I, he was that good. I, I agree with you. I think he, he has one fight left. I, too, would like to see uh, the third fight with Estrada. Um, it makes sense. But I think the smarter thing for him would be to try to go down in weight um, because he's, his punches, although he lands so many, they're just not as effective. I mean, you know, credit to Estrada. I mean, Estrada was taking some bombs in the first half of that fight. I mean, I was surprised he didn't stun him or, or he, he drop him or anything. And, and I think that that actually, 
got Estrada moving forward for the second half of that fight, which ultimately won him the fight, uh, because uh, Chocolito couldn't stop him. You know, and and I think the same thing would happen in in a third fight. So I I think the only way that uh, Gonzalez can can end his career on a positive note would be to try to go back down a weight class and uh, see if he can't uh, uh, you know capture a title and then call it a day. But that's yeah. Just if my... he can go back down to one twelve, um, you know, get a good a couple fights there. Um, I definitely believe he can capture a belt there and then um, retire because there are some very good uh young champions from over in japan at that division too so so you know chocolatito as he, you know at that lower weight we know they age a lot faster than bigger fighters and gonzalez has a lot of miles on him because of his earlier years and you know always that fan-friendly style but as you get older it's a lot harder to come down in weight and he didn't exactly look I mean, he's never been, you know, like an overly muscular rip fighter, but, you know, he looked a little bit loose in that fight. And um, I don't know if um, Juan, you know, you mentioned, you know, Juan Francisco Estrada, some of the shots that he was taking. At some point in time, and I had predicted before the fight, that, you know, he's going to get knocked down, then he's going to come back, and then he's going to go into that second gear, which, you know, kind of seems to be a trend of his. You know, when he gets hurt or when he gets knocked down, he gets up and he just seems a lot better. So I, I, you know, I don't know what happened with that, but, you know, um, I do believe that the fight was a whole lot closer than that one judge had, had it. I think it was, a, 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 um, you know, two points either way. I would not have uh, cared, and I think, you know, maybe a third fight would be great for... Um, for um, Gonzalez, and then, as you stated, maybe drop down or then call it a day because I think actually um, Estrada in another few fights he may uh, he may move up, and I don't think that uh, Rungvisai, if they fought a hundred times, I think Rungvisai beats Gonzalez ninety eight. Yeah, 97 rather. I'm sorry, he already beat him twice, but you know, 97 out of 100. There's, there's, there's certain fighters and their styles that you just can't overcome. I think Estrada is a bigger fighter. And I, I, if I'm Gonzalez, if I go for the money and go for a third fight, either way, win, lose, or draw, that's it. I, I think he's got too many miles on him. I think he's taken some hellacious shots. Um, hellacious. Uh, I couldn't get that word. Hellacious, yeah. Yeah, I said hellacious. That's hellacious. the bad thing about them lower weight classes because as good as they are and exciting as they are, they're not getting you know the, the money that they deserve for, uh, for, the, for that type of excitement. No. Dax, it was great uh, being back on. we got to do it uh, – um, more regularly i'm ready uh so uh hopefully we'll we'll be doing this again real soon uh if absolutely not, if, if absolutely we got it we got enjoy your sunday <laughs> well we got a big fight coming up i'm really looking forward to to see the uh pavetkin rematch um which is oh, next, pavetkin versus white yeah yeah dillian white is is next week right yeah next week and then you know just um 60 more days is going to be Canelo versus uh, Saunders. Another big one. So, uh, if anything, we'll be doing uh, shows after the big fight. So, Dax, thanks for uh, joining us. And, of course, uh, keep up the good work on the website. All right, everybody. Enjoy your day. Take care. That's my man, Dax Khan, giving us his thoughts uh, on uh, uh, a bunch of stuff. On, obviously, the, the fights uh, that took place uh, yesterday and Marvin Hagler and... Uh, uh, of course, uh, the Anthony Joshua um, and Tyson Fury potential uh, showdown that you know we're hoping to uh, get real soon. So 
Um, June is when they're calling it, so we'll see what happens uh, with that. Um, but uh, in any event, yeah, it was, uh, you know, talking about Gonzalez Estrada, you know, I, I've always been a, a big fan of, uh, um, you know, uh, Gonzalez and Estrada, and it would be cool to uh, to see a third fight, but I am concerned about uh, uh, the well-being of, of Gonzalez. He's been in some wars. Hey, man, don't forget to order uh, your very own copy of my book, Tom Molino, From Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now. Where all good books are sold, uh, you can get yourself a copy by going to Amazon.com uh, or uh, also... Uh, uh, of course, uh, barnesandnoble.com. Or if you want a signed copy, just drop me an email, uh, billy at talkinboxing, T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G dot com. Joining us right now, um, the man, the myth, the legend himself. Uh, and speaking of the man, the myth, the legend himself, um, I heard from uh, my man Sal. I talked to him uh, recently. He's doing really well. We're going to try to get him on uh, the show uh, very soon, so everybody stay tuned for that. Uh, Sal wanted me to make sure that I told everyone uh, thank you for the well wishes and prayers. Um, Sal told me he's beat cancer, uh, so we'll see how, how that works out. He said uh, his last test showed, showed him 100% cancer-free, so talk about a miracle, man. Uh, Sal Rocky Senecola will uh, get him on soon. But right now, the other man, myth, legend, uh, Alex Papali. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, BC. Great to talk to you this morning. Yeah, it's, uh, it seems like it's been, uh, I don't know, probably three months. Oh, it has <laughs> been like three months, you know. But uh, anyway, first of all. Great news about Sal. And I, I heard that um, our uh, mutual friend uh, Colleen Acock is in um, – remission from cancer as well so um that's uh cancer's zero and two this week yeah nice well that's good i i knew we would catch up to that beast sooner or later you know so uh uh that's great news great news if you could, i haven't spoken to colleen in a little bit but uh, me neither i gotta give her a call yeah well i i also heard that my man austin colleen uh is recovering very nicely from a stroke so uh our word goes out to to austin as well uh, yeah, I've noticed that um, I, I turned 50 in July, and my conversations now tend to be very much about prescriptions and colonoscopies and uh, my chart, uh, you know, things like that. Yeah, regularity. Hey, is everything coming out okay? Yeah, 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 it's good. Good. Hey, are, are you are you waking up in the middle of the night? You know, not as much anymore. Hey, that's that's pretty good. That's pretty I good. these bumps here on Main Street. Yeah. Have you ever heard anything like that? No, no. Well, the other thing is you hear when somebody passes away, you know, 90 years old, oh, he was so young. He had his whole life yeah. in front of him, you oh, know. Poor guy. But, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in all seriousness, Marvin Hagler did pass away pretty young, 66 years old. Um, I, I know Marvelous uh, Marvin Hagler meant a lot to you. I mean, you have a full uh, body tattoo of him, which incidentally looks outrageous, by the way. I, I was just bragging about the, the blood. The only time I ever saw Marvin Hagler bleed was in that fight, and you've captured it forever uh, on your uh, on yourself, on your, what do they call it, the, uh, uh, what's the art? Uh, canvas, your, your canvas known as your body. Um, what was your initial uh, after the shock? Because when they announced that, when when Michael Buffer said that, 
I mean, the shock that went through me. I, it, I don't even think it really hit me um, until a couple of days later. Um, I know it shook him up, and I know it shook you up. Uh, tell us your initial thoughts on, on the passing of Marvin Hagler. Yeah, it was it was it was a shock, and it was one of those things that um, it was a little weird for me the timing because um, I had some like I said, I, like you had mentioned, I had some tattoo work done on Wednesday, and I had that planned for a while. It was going to be in December, and then I just because of uh, financially, I, I rescheduled it, and you know they have a big backlog because of COVID, and so you know we were all scheduled to do it last Wednesday and on Saturday I jumped on uh, Facebook at one point of the many many times I incessantly check it each day and I saw the notice from Kay Hagler and I I couldn't believe it I was like no way uh, please let's hope somebody you know that somebody hacked her account or something um, but no within within about 40 mo- minutes it was being repeated in other places and yeah, it's sad, and and I think that you know, and then of course came a little bit of the controversy that um, you know comes with everything these days. Um, you know, he's sixty six years old. I mean, I don't know what kind of health he was in. Um, he looked not, good. He looked good, right? Absolutely, he looked very good. And you know, he would come. You know, that was the other thing that really was tough. And I think everybody's in this same situation because of the pandemic. Um, because the Hall of Fame, you know, the Hall of Fame was a chance to see him every year. And because uh, he was a regular there. And because it was canceled uh, because of COVID, you know, didn't have that like annual dose of the Marvelous One, which I, I know I need. Um, just to see him there, you know, is great. And, and I think that's the other thing about it is that as much as maybe he did not get the accolades that he deserved or they were late in coming in his career. The Hall of Fame, I mean, it's pretty obvious who the star is, and it's Marvin Hagler. Uh, I mean, the one who people go nuts for and chase around every single year is Marvelous Marvin Hagler. I mean, granted, whoever's the inductee of the year is always the popular person um, or more, you know, the, the that class, but Marvin Hagler is the one who's consistently, uh, you know, the one that everybody's after. Um, and yeah, he was, it, you know, it. It's sad because he's, you know, that era of the four kings, and um, there will never be another era like that. Uh, he's part of um, the greatest single round probably in boxing history. I mean, you could maybe argue there's a couple of others that would be up there, but, I mean, for in terms of an all-out war, there's no jabs thrown in that round. It's crazy. And that's the to me, in a way, that that fight sort of that – first round is a perfect example of why every single movie fight is is just bs because when you have two guys that are amazing and really good fighters and trying to hit each other uh a fight is never well you go first and then i'll go and movie fights are always like that um if you watch Hagler hearns those guys are winging their best shots at the same time the other guy is and it's like whoever gets there first gets there um, and no movie fight, no choreography for a movie really ever captures that. That's why boxing, you know, it's, uh, to me, every single movie of boxing just pales in comparison. Not only that, but it makes 
boxing the sport you must see live because yeah. you can't even watching it on TV you can't get it all unless you're there even if you're in the, the nosebleed seats you feel it it's there you know and uh, uh, there's no other sport like it uh, listen those were the best three rounds of boxing I ever witnessed live um, there is no question about it. It, it the only fighter the only fight that I can think of that comes close to it happened to have been 10 rounds like that and that was Gene Fulmer against Benny Kid Perrette uh, Sal and I rebroadcast that fight and I had never seen it before and I was we were both just in awe of 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 the amount of action and and many people uh, believe that if the medical um, rules were in place then that like they are now Benny Kid Perrette may have lived because that was the fight that most experts agree did the damage that would subsequently um, kill Benny Kid Perrette when he stepped in the ring uh, in his next fight uh, against uh, uh, who's what was the fighter I, I'm, you see you talk about age but um, his when he died in the ring Emil Griffin. That's the name. And uh, thanks for uh, thanks for nudging me with that because I was like, oh, damn, I, I know the book, the most common. You know, I can knock a man out uh, in the ring and everyone loves me. I, I love a man and everyone hates me type of a comment. I'm paraphrasing. But uh, uh, so, yeah, uh, energy-packed fight for sure. Uh, but Hagler, we were looking at, uh, Dax and I were looking at his last three fights, which were all, uh, about a year apart, the Tommy Hearns fight, then John Abyss Mugabe, and then, of course, the Sugar Ray Leonard fight, which we were reminiscing about the time we were up at the Hall of Fame, and you were part of that as well, and you were one of the ones that was shocked at your own scorecard. Um, you know, we watched that fight with no sound. We all discussed every round afterwards. I've had that fight consistently a draw all, all these years, uh, and I still honestly believe that it should have been a draw. Um, but uh, the way the fight was fought, and we, you know, analyze it and dissect it today, Marvin Hagler kind of gave that fight away by not fighting the way he fought in those previous two fights that I mentioned, Tommy Hearns and the Beast Mugabe, where he just comes right at you. He fights the way he fought Tommy Hearns against Sugar Ray Leonard. Leonard doesn't get out of that fight on his feet, Alex. Yeah, it's possible, and I think that's the thing about it that is tough. I mean, for me especially, uh, it wasn't until that night that we all watched it together that I that I gave Sugar Ray Leonard um, the credit that I felt he deserved for um, a lot of those combinations, the flurries, because um, I think for years I watched that fight through the eyes of a, a Hagler fan. And I think that um, I bought into that idea that those, you know, what he said at the end, those flurries meant nothing. Um, yeah, there were times where they were landing on the gloves, but no, there, there's other times where they certainly, they certainly counted. And I think Marvin wouldn't have sort of backed off the way he did. Like you said, he didn't. He wasn't as relentless again in going after Sugar Ray like he was against Mugabe or uh, Hagler, I mean, against Hearns. However, um, Leonard is brilliant, and I, I do think that I, I totally disagree with what Max said. I think Leonard is the better fighter 
Um, he's not the one I like better. Um, but, um, yeah, he's a little bit better because, I mean, I, I don't think that's a difficult uh, decision to make uh, or conclusion to reach because, I mean, Bill, you know this. We're, we're talking about little increments. These guys are great. And, I mean, Tommy Hearns and Hagler is a perfect example. That fight, if they fought again, maybe we don't get the same result. Because think about what happened. Tommy Hearns broke his fist in that first exchange on, Mag on Hagler's head. Um, and that was like the most hurt he's ever been um, in that first round. And I think that, you know, if that doesn't happen, uh, maybe the fight is different. Because now you're, you're dealing – the other thing that makes that fight why it's so great is that those were arguably the two best fighters on earth at the time. So when you have an all-out barroom brawl, no jabs, no feeling out between the two best guys in the world, how could that not be the pinnacle? So I think that's one of the other reasons. It, this wasn't Gotti Ward, where you get a great slugfest against guys who you know are, are you know talented but not the best on earth. This was the two best fighters on earth at the time. Um, that's amazing. And for them to, I, I don't know. So that's, that's, I guess this is the, the long answer here is that the thing that separates great fighters is sometimes very, very little. And some, and a lot of it has to do with chance, um, and just rising to the occasion in the moment. And I think that's the thing about that, that sort of nebulous quality of greatness. Sugar Ray Leonard was the one that could always do that. Marvin Hagler, you know, and, and I mean, he almost always did it. The only time he didn't was against Sugar Ray Leonard uh, and maybe in the first Antiformo fight. And it, the only thing with that is that he tired a little. Um, but uh, and then, you know, it came down to where it's not up to, you know, these uh, his fists to make the decision of the fight. It's up to three people at ringside. So um, but again, I, I don't know. We live in a time where. People are so looking for binary things and explanations. And that was not the only thing that I heard from Max. The other thing, uh, I saw him tweet that Marvinless Marvin Hagler was Mike Tyson before Mike Tyson. No, he was nothing like Mike Tyson. Um, I don't know where that comes from. I don't know what argument you're trying, what comparison you're trying to make. There was nothing about Marvelous Marvin Hagler was Mike Tyson. Be careful. Uh -huh. Don't don't talk about Max. You might get censored and, and your account might get deleted. So uh, <laughs> but but you know, I, you make some great points and, and I feel bad for the, the fans today. I feel bad for the sport, obviously. It's it's keeping me away from doing the show. Um, but the two best you know, that, that statement you made is such a strong one and I agree with it hundred percent. You know, when you have the two best in a division and they go at it and we were treated uh, with a, a great fight, be it as it may, it only lasted three rounds. Um, you know, Manny Pacquiao and Floyd Mayweather could have given us that and we waited a decade, uh, close to a decade, and we got, we got a, 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 you know, a, a, a tease. It was a joke, you know. Um, but back in, in, in those days and prior, that's what you got. You got to the, to, the, to the top and you fought the next top guy. Uh, not only did the money come, uh, but the glory did. Today, it's all about the money. The glory, they don't really care about. They bullshit everybody and, and it's the way it is. 
Um, the other interesting thing you mentioned about that fight was something that um, I blame uh, today on a lot of younger people. Uh, they, they never hold themselves accountable. You know, I use this example all the time. You know, uh, a deer hit me. Uh, no, you hit the deer, you know, um, you know, like, right. I was driving along mine and mine was, and his deer ran out and hit me, you know, no, you, you hit the deer, you know, it might've come, uh, at the last minute or whatever, but, but take accountability for yourself. You hit the deer, the deer wasn't driving and the deer wasn't aiming for you. Okay. I'm going to hear stories. Oh, a deer ran right in the side of my car. Yeah, I know it happened to me once too, but we don't take a lot of younger people don't take there's always a reason. And in boxing, it's so magnified. There's always an excuse. I, I didn't train right. Uh, my trainer, I'm firing him. He didn't, he didn't tell me, oh, that steroid that's in my system? I don't, I don't know. They gave me a sandwich to eat. You know, I don't know how it got in there. You know, I mean, I, it wasn't me. It was, it was him. It was him. You know, uh, we are going to do this. We're going to do that. He didn't do this in the ring. You know, I mean, nobody holds themselves accountable anymore. In that fight, Tommy Hearn breaks his hands. Uh, his one hand, his power hand, um, never said a word about it. Never said a word about it in the post fight. Never said a word about it for years. I think it was seven years before he brought that up. And, you know, to me, Tommy Hearns gave Marvin Hagler the credit that he deserved and let him bask in the, in the uh, sunlight after that fight. He didn't try to put a blemish on the fight. He didn't complain that he had a hard time making weight or, or that the ring wasn't in his favor or the judges were going to rob him or anything. No excuse. He, he said, basically, Hagler was the better man. And, and we don't see that today. It's something that uh, is gone. And, and I, I can't see it happening again. Even when people are giving their opponent credit, there's a but. You know, I want to give him credit. He was a better man tonight, but I had this yeah. heavy suit on and it drained right. my energy. You know, uh, you know, I, I, you know, he's a real good fighter. He he really hurt me, but my corner should have never stopped the fight. You know what I mean? I, I mean, it's always something, and it, it it pushes me away from the sport. But uh, uh, Marvin yeah, Hagler, there's a lot of uh, yeah, there's like a lot of uh, conditional accountability. Um, and I think that you're right. I mean, that's what's unbelievable. It, I don't think it was until that HBO documentary where they and that was the other thing, too, is that I think was revealed in the HBO documentary is not only was the broken hand, but that deep muscle massage on his legs and Hagler. You could see Hagler knew I've got to take this guy's legs away from him because when he starts that first round, the first thing he does is he's zeroing in on the body. Uh, he throws these big body shots at Hearns because he knows if I'm going to win this fight, I got I can't let him move on me. Um, and that's the other thing, too, in terms of movement that I think is very important um, about understanding Marvin Hagler is um, marvelous Marvin Hagler, excuse me, um, is that. Um, and I remember this in the pre-fight uh, HBO did all that pre-fight stuff before the Hagler Leonard. And one of my favorite writers at the time was Mike Katz. And I remember him talking about how uh, Vito Antifermo was one of the guys who may have sort of ruined a, genu a generation of middleweights by rushing Marvin Hagler, pressing him, 
that's what Marvin wants. And at one point, Marvin even, at one point in his career, Marvin even said he would love to get a chance to fight Harry Greb because he would, he thinks he would do well against Greb because Greb came forward. If you come forward on Marvin, um, that's where he ruins you. It's when he comes forward, he has a hard, that's where he's nothing like Mike Tyson. Because Mike Tyson, that's all he did. Watch the Alan Minter fight. Minter gets hemmed up. And then the fans treat, you think Meghan Markle got treated bad in England. Look at the way the fans treat uh, Marvelous Marvin after he beats up Alan Minter. Um, and look at that fight. Minter came forward. Well, you come forward on Hagler, forget it. Um, and that's the thing about him is that Ray Leonard let made Marvin come forward, and he had trouble with that because he wasn't. Uh, he was more a counter punching boxer puncher. He was not an aggressive, intimidating um, pressure uh, guy like um, Mike, Mike like Mike Tyson. He was a hard puncher, but he was not an explosive puncher. So there's a big, big difference uh, between the two of them. I, listen, I like Max personally. I've met him a few times. I've chatted with him. As far as as far as boxing knowledge, he knows the sport. There's no question about it. But his opinions have been swayed by corporate uh, direct directors. Uh, he did it with HBO. I, I was always clamoring to to really hear his opinion, and now it just seems. That he doesn't have an opinion anymore. He he goes with whatever somebody's telling him to say, even though he's not associated with uh, the same uh, outlets as as he was now. Um, but to make that statement, I I feel it's hard. I I think that Sugar Ray, I, I guess I I I might lean towards your opinion between those, but I, I think Sugar Ray might have accomplished more. Um, oh, yeah. because he, he challenged himself. Not that Marvin didn't. Marvin, I give credit for staying in his division and, and you know, staying the course, so to speak. Um, but I can honestly say that I can't tell you who I think is a better fighter. The other, the I think they're two different fighters, even though they did happen to uh, fight. It's I, I would say the same thing. I lean towards Manny Pacquiao being a better fighter than Floyd Mayweather because of the excitement factor, et cetera, et cetera. But at the end of the day, when you look at it, you know, the way I am with Hagler and Hearns, I would have to say the same for those two. How could you say one is better than the other where one accomplished more than the other in terms of, you know, level of opposition, et cetera, et cetera, and then the other guy did, didn't lose. And, you know, so it, it's there's certain fighters that you can't make that statement for. And I think that Hagler and Leonard are, are one of them. And the point you made about uh, Hagler fighting Leonard, he definitely fought Leonard's fight coming after. Remember, he clowned a little. He was doing with the glove in the air after the rounds. I mean, he wasn't sure of himself, you know, despite yeah. some of the things that – that he said, and, and we all had those discussions uh, when we watched that fight. He wasn't being himself, and, you know, he he was almost doubting himself during the fight. And, you know, switching to, to orthodox was, was a mistake. You know, he just did not do what Marvelous Marvin Hagler had done in arguably the biggest fight uh, of his career to that point, and then we lost him. He got so pissed off. 
Uh, not only did, did we never see a rematch, but we lost the man from the sport uh, with the exception of his, uh, of his time that he would spend in the Hall of Fame. The one of the things that surprised me, Alex, was where he passed away, in New Hampshire. I, I didn't know that he was back living in the States. I, I had thought that he was still uh, living a superstar life in Italy, actually. Yeah, I guess he had two homes. He had a home in, I think it was Bartlett, New Hampshire, and in Milan, Italy. And, uh, yeah, he was here in uh, New Hampshire where he passed. Um, and, yeah, I think that that's the thing about him that uh, they, him and Sugar Ray Leonard are very different. And even with uh, Tommy Hearns and Duran, um, the thing that makes Marvin stand out, of course, is that Marvin is a middleweight. He lived a middleweight, and he died a middleweight. That was it. He never fought at Welter. He never moved up to light heavy. Um, one of the things, and again, not to just keep harping on the Mike Tyson comparison, but the, the other thing that was amazing about Marvelous Marvin Hagler is um, don't beat him. Because if, he be, if you beat him, he's going to get you in a rematch. And not only that, he'll get you better. Because look at the Sugar Ray Seals. Uh, Sugar Ray Seals and Bobby Boogaloo Watts are two. Two examples. The first time they, uh, first time he fought Sugar Ray Seals, it's a close fight. The second time, it's also close, but most people thought uh, Hagler deserved the decision. So Hagler fought him a third time, knocked him out. One round. Same thing with Bobby Boogaloo Watts. Watts beats him, then they he Hagler fights him again. Hagler wins. Hagler fights him a third time, knocks him out in two rounds. I mean, that's the thing about him is that he. In terms of uh, even how he started boxing, the first time he went to the gym, the Petronellis didn't think too much about him. But then the next day, he came back, and they were like, wow, what's going on? He was like, I went home and I practiced. Uh, that's the kind of guy Marvelous Marvin Hagler was. Um, he was the kind of guy that... Uh, was consistently trying to do better. There's a great um, interview with uh, Johnny Carson before the um, uh, Ray Leonard fight, and I love it because uh, Hagler comes out in a tracksuit. And Johnny Carson, I mean, in terms of power uh, in Hollywood, I don't know. I mean, I don't know too much about him, but I wouldn't be surprised to find out in terms that Johnny Carson had people killed. You know, that's how powerful he was in Hollywood. And the thing that's great in the interview is uh, Marvin Hagler refers to him as John a couple times. <laughs> and then uh, at one point he's talking about uh, he loves isolation. He puts himself in jail. Uh, and that's the way he looked at it. Um, and think about that. The training process of a fighter is a process of breaking down, breaking down, breaking down, and then snapping back just enough to be ready on fight night. Um, and that's the way Marvin always looked. I think the only night you could argue maybe he didn't, and some of it was age, was against Sugar Ray Leonard. But part of that, Ray Leonard knew it because Ray Leonard watched, uh, did the pay-per-view with Barry Tompkins uh, for HBO, and Tompkins drove him home that night after the Mugabe fight, and Ray Leonard said, I could beat this Marvin. And he told him exactly how he could beat him, just fighting the last 30 seconds of every round. And it's what Ray Leonard did. So I think that's the other thing. Had that had they met maybe two years before, that's a different fight. Of course. So I think that's part of what, what makes Ray so great is Ray knew what he could do. The impact that fight had on the sport is unbelievable. Not only are we still talking about it today, 
you could still get people jacked up and and you oh know, yeah the whole basis of of this show my show right here was uh, you know you take two guys which doesn't take place as much anymore but the whole basis of this show when when jeremy and i were, were thinking about doing this uh, uh 17 18 years ago now um was you know i wanted a show i said I, I would love to have a show if there were two guys sitting at a bar having a drink and they start talking about boxing and how it goes from one topic to another to another to another all within the sport and you can make the argument that that fight changed it because you know to this day if you started talking about uh, that fight you, you're going to hear uh very opinionated thoughts of who won the fight uh, and, and how and, and what transpired, etc. But the deep changes it made in the sport, I, 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 Dax and I were talking about it earlier. I talked about it with Augie uh, yesterday. You know, the unwritten rule in boxing where you have to knock the champion out to win the title or, or beat the shit out of him, really, um, went out the window that night. Uh, and it subsequently has continued to go out the window to this day. How many times do we watch a champion that walks into a, a ring, he fights a guy in an extremely close fight, and loses the belt? Um, it never used to happen. It never used to happen. You used to have to beat the champion decisively, knock him out, basically, or at least beat, beat him up bad. Um, this changed it. Uh, the stealing of the last part of the round was never done before that. Um, you know, a lot of uh, trainers or, or fighters saw that Sugar Ray did it. And, uh, you know, how many times have we had uh, my friend Larry Hazard say, no, you got to break the round down in three sections. That's how he does it. You know, first minute, second minute, third minute, and then you get your winner. You can't watch a round and score it based on what you're seeing most recently. And that's exactly what happened with the judges in that fight because Sugar Ray came on strong in the last 30 seconds. Uh, you know, you could make an argument to say whether Hagler actually won uh, the, the uh, you know, the prior uh, time in the fight. Uh, there were rounds where he did, and there were certainly rounds where he didn't. Uh, but at the end of the day, that fight changed the sport. Uh, we lost Marvin on it, um, and it changed the sport forever. And it's it's weird because of the history that Marvin had throughout his career and what led him to that fight and then that particular fight, to have that be the end, it just, it for me, Alex, it will forever leave a void because what would have what would have happened, you know, should he have fought? Would he have followed what you just said? You know, nobody's successful fighting him again. You know, I mean, would he have gotten up for it? Was his mind so screwed up uh, from losing that fight, would he, would he have never been the same? Was his career basically over after the Mugabe fight, like Ray Leonard said? So many questions that we'll never have an answer to. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, like Dak said, the Mugabe fight is phenomenal. Um, and that was one of the things that was also, for me, strange about the pass, his passing was um, somebody had tweeted a clip from the Mugabe fight that was just amazing, where Hagler gets ripped with an uppercut that would have taken a lot of people's heads right off and he just sort of eats it and says yeah come on and keeps coming and uh i just was amazed at that the chin on him um because think about that that guy you um 
Mugabe was the most dangerous number. He was the number one contender in every division. He was 26 and 0 with 26 KOs. But he was a um, junior middleweight. And yeah, and he was moving up. Right. But he was a big, he was a big junior middleweight. Yeah, yeah. He was taller than Marvin. And um and and it's a firefight. It's a thriller. Um and yeah, I think that uh like you said, I think that the Leonard fight, in a way, it definitely changed the sport because that was the first time that a long-term established great all-time great champion um, lost on such a close split decision. Um, and the other thing about it that um, was was sort of you know this we come up with this every year it's it for me and i think for a lot of people it is perhaps the number one uh or number like top three resentment fights of all time the one that everybody's got an opinion about it and you know if you talk about it people's voices get raised yeah, i know they get upset about it i know, know? i the know other one, the other one being um meldrick taylor and julio cesar chavez i think those are the two big resentment fights in terms of modern history um yeah but that fight that fight is kind of you got to remind people about that one the sugar ray Hagler fight always comes up always comes up i mean you yeah. start talking about boxing and somehow that gets that's like six degrees of separation from the sport of boxing you know Hagler, uh, Hagler, uh, uh leonard fight comes into the conversation but i want to admit something to you and i hope you 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 don't you don't hate me after this but after the tommy hearns fight I, I thought because I witnessed Hagler get rocked and actually prove that he, he does indeed have blood inside his, his veins because it was the first time it ever, you know, leaked out of him, um, <laughs> as you have portrayed on, on, on your personal canvas. Um, I thought Mugabe was going to beat him. I when, when people were talking to me back in 1986, I, I said, you know, I have a feeling the beast is going to beat him. And throughout that fight, it looked like it might be a possibility until Hagler, you know, became Hagler and just wore him down. And, and like you said earlier, I mean, this is a guy that just was relentless. He never seemed to tire. He didn't seem human. He didn't seem human. He didn't even, the only time he seemed human was in the Ray Leonard fight. And he yeah. seemed human because he wasn't himself. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I think that that's, that's the other thing that has that unfortunately has happened is not only did we we've seen you know great champions established champions now can lose on split decisions because um, we saw it with uh, the two Jermaine Taylor Bernard Hopkins fights you know that's right in the same division um, is uh, one of the things that I think was sort of at least I couldn't help but really be disappointed last night i don't know if you saw they interviewed uh terrence crawford and um of all the active fighters today um maybe chocolatito is the other one who is reminiscent of marvelous marvin Hagler. um but in terms of an american boxer um in terms of the meanness the toughness the ability to switch back and forth from southpaw to orthodox Terrence Crawford is the guy that reminds me of Hagler. Not last night. When he said that Errol Spence, that he's not even thinking about that fight anymore, that was grotesque. I don't get it. What's going on in the welterweight division? 
Um, I'm sorry. If uh, Errol spent, that's what one thing that as much as people are talking about, oh, we are in a great welterweight era. No, not if they don't fight each other. Yeah, this we're, is just a, it's a joke it, of an era if they don't fight each other. That's where the difference between the four kings. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. And the idea that Virgil, they're going to feed Virgil Ortiz to Errol Spence, he's not ready yet. That Maurice Hooker gave him a hard time. Um, look at his face. No, he's landing like crazy. Errol Spence will land all over him. At, at Terrence Crawford, I think what you're getting is frustration out of him because Terrence Crawford, listen, you're 100% correct. That's the fight that should be made. But because today's sport of boxing tries to milk the fan for every nickel they can, uh, especially today where you can't even have a live audience, um, I, it's what's turned me off on the sport. It's why I, I, you know, we should actually just do blast from the past from it forever because there's plenty of fighters that we can discuss and educate the people who care to be educated um, you know, when you hear these guys that are doing shows now uh, talk the way they talk, um, you know, it, it's like the networks. You know, they're associated with, with one group, and those fighters are, are it, you know. Uh, I mean, Canelo, I like Canelo. Canelo is, is proven to me that, you know, he does uh, fight anybody. Uh, but how many people are available to fight him? He's separated himself. Uh, Manny Pacquiao, do we really want to keep seeing Manny Pacquiao fight? You know, it's time that, and, ter and quite honestly, Terrence Crawford is no spring chicken, you know, and that's what Errol Spence is waiting for, him to get a little older. You know, they're all copycats. Don't, let's, let's not even, let's talk about, let's talk about this, a heavyweight fight. It's, uh, could be the most substantial heavyweight fight in years. Uh, we're talking about Anthony Joshua against Tyson Fury. Uh, tentatively, the fight, uh, it, they, both fighters signed a two-fight deal. First one taking place in June. Second one uh, supposedly taking place at the end of this year. Both fights, according to uh, both promoters, are, are going to take place this year. I like the way it's laid out so far. I mean, we don't have a location. We don't have a date yet, which really sets a flag up for me, Alex. But 50-50 yes. <laughs> split in the first fight, 60-40 split in the second. It sounds like that's the way the contract should be. Um, and that's what makes me nervous because nobody's fighting over the contract. Nobody's right. demanding more. There's no and for uh, Tyson Fury to come out and say, ah, "I'm not even training. I'm drinking beer." Well, that's Tyson Fury, 100. percent You really believe he's he's not training for this fight? You know. And then Eddie Hearn saying, "Well, AJ has been working hard nonstop since his last fight, preparing for this fight." Okay, so that's telling me he's going to be overtrained for this fight. You know, we already got excuses being. You know, uh, Tyson Fury's already got, I didn't take this fight serious excuse. And AJ's already got, I trained too hard for this fight excuse. I mean, they've already embedded the excuses and they haven't even signed, a, they haven't even uh, gotten a location yet. What's your thoughts on this fight? We've talked about this fight many, many times. I still maintain my thought on this. I think AJ wins this fight. I know you have always said you thought Tyson Fury does. Um, I just think that. Anthony Deontay Wilder has proven to be exactly what we've said he was. Uh, now he might not even have the mental capacity to to, to fight anymore. The interview I, I saw with Mark Breland, uh, coming clean, which he was quiet all those years, uh, coming clean that he didn't train, that he doesn't listen, all these things we assume. Then for him to final, uh, finally admit that he could beat 
most of the people on Deontay Wilder's resume right now. I believe that. Um, so how much credit do we give Tyson Fury for beating Wilder twice? Because in all intent and purposes, I feel he beat him twice. And does he have the power? The, the, the fight between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder was more intriguing for me only because Deontay had the power, the power to knock out Anthony Joshua. Um, Tyson Fury had the power to knock out Deontay Wilder, but does he have the power to knock out Anthony Joshua, a guy that's more refined in boxing, a much more accurate puncher? Um, defensively, Fury might be able to to be ready for the onslaught uh, easier than he would have been for Deontay because Deontay is so unorthodox the way he throws punches. Um, but uh, but I still I'm still leaning towards AJ, man. What do what do you think? Um, I, I think right now uh, the the uh, layoff. Oh, am I picking up? Yeah, I, I got you. Okay, cool. The layoff for Tyson Fury is definitely uh, definitely something that concerns me. Um, and if that's true about the beer, which I highly doubt. Um, however, we know that you know layoffs are not good for any fighters, and for, especially for him because he had a history of. Uh, uh, you know, self-abuse uh, during layoffs. Um, now, I think he's in a really good position now, um, and I, I doubt, I think, like you said, like you and Dax both uh, said, that it's very likely that's just, uh, you know, pre-fight hype for Instagram uh, and stuff. Um, I am very glad this fight is going to happen. Um, I'm a little hesitant. Like you said, I think the reason why uh, the deal sounds so agreeable is because it's not that tangible. Uh, if there was a site and uh, a, a site and a, um, I think, uh, uh, you know, for the, if the fight was already set, like we're going to have it in Wembley, I think maybe then they'd, there'd be in a date, then they'd know, okay, well now it really is going to happen. Let's, uh, you know, let's argue. <laughs> I think it's a lot easier to agree on 50-50 and 60-40 when, you know, there's no site and there's no date. Um, but I do think that, I think it will happen. I'm very encouraged that people have stopped talking about the Deontay Wilder rubber match because I don't think there's anything uh, useful in that. Wait a minute, you got to stop. I already got somebody commenting that uh, we're hating now. Because we said something negative about Deontay. You know, it, it, this makes me sick. It makes me sick. Because we're not hating on anybody. We're, 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 we're calling a spade a spade. Oh, was it, should I have not said that? Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Um, but, but the truth of the matter is, is how are we hating anybody? You know, we're, we're, we're reiterating a story that, that um, his own former trainer said. And, and Deontay Wilder did not have the talent. I mean, come on. If there's people that still think that he had more than punching power, they don't know the sport of boxing. And all I'm saying is I think that AJ will get the better end of Tyson Fury. I know you feel Fury will win. And, and from what I understand, they've already signed the contract tentatively. I think there's a 30-day. I'm pretty sure I read that there's a 30-day expiration if they don't find a suitable site. According to, to uh, Eddie Hearn, there were already people bidding on it. They, they already had a $40 million site fee bid uh, on the, on the uh, fight. So I, I, I'm confident that it's going to be, they are going to have a date and location. I'm not so confident the fight's going to come off, though, Alex. 
yeah, I really hope that it will happen in Wembley um, because that idea that it happens, you know, in Saudi Arabia or um, in China um, just because, you know, they could pack an arena, I think that would be disappointing. I mean, these are the two best fighters uh, from the UK. That's where they should fight. Um, and I think that's the thing about it is that that's that's part of why as much as I want them to fight, and I think that they um, now it's better than waiting um, because we've just been waiting so long for all these marinating fights. Um, I do think that we, I think it, you know, I want that Wembley to be packed. So what's the vaccination situation like in the UK? You know, because if you have it at Wembley, but you can only put 30,000 people in there, well, that kind of sucks. You know, uh, if you could fill it, that would be awesome. That's what it should be like. You know, all those uh, fans singing Sweet Caroline, that's what I want to see again. But <laughs> if we're not at a point where we could do that safely, then, you know, let's wait. Uh, so I, I don't know. It's uh, It sucks because time is the enemy of every single fighter. And yet uh, that's kind of, you know, especially now where it feels like we're right on the precipice of sort of putting this thing away. Um, it would be great to to see a packed arena. Um, but uh, so I, I don't know. I, I mean, from what it sounds like, maybe November would be more likely uh, than June or July. But uh, I, I don't know what the uh, situation is in um, in uh, the UK in terms of vaccination. Well, the fights I watched yesterday from the UK were uh, empty. No people. Yeah, um, yeah, and, you know, and I think the the better be of uh, card that that um, seemed to have a crowd, but you know some masked, uh, and then I think the, the Glowoski uh, fight there was some crowd there, um, but I don't know. Yeah, it's it's you know so we're coming out. I, I don't know, and that's that's definitely that's been one of the issues from the beginning about this, especially when you talk about the the very pinnacle of the sport. Uh, part of how these guys get paid is from the gate. Well, if you can't have people, the amount of people come in that usually do because there's an infectious disease going around, well, then that's going to affect their paycheck. And um, yeah, but not when not when somebody forks out 40, 50, 60 million to have it at their venue. Then yeah. all of a sudden, then all of a sudden, it's like, ah, the fans can watch on TV. We're fine right, with that. See, that's that's the part that I I would like to see because this should be an event. I agree. No, I agree with you, and I agree that it should be it should be in the UK. I agree with that a hundred percent. Let Let's be real, the UK is where it's at in, in the sport of boxing. When when you when you get to the brass tacks of the sport. Yes, they all want to come to the US because the US uh, generates the, the coin. But England has true fighters. They have guys that are fight that, you know, are just tough guys. I mean the undercard was an indication of that yesterday on the Oakley fight. Um, you know, it's just to me to tell you the truth, Alex, and, and I've said this for years if I ever had had the opportunity to do this show from England way back in the beginning, um, I think I think it it would have went in a different direction for sure because I just think that it it this particular our show that we all do here matches England better than it does the United States. 
You know, I think that they're more knowledgeable of the sport, more appreciative of the sport um, from both a current and historical uh, perspective, unlike the the majority of the younger uh, U.S. fans. The older fans, which are, are you know, obviously dying off, um, I can't say that for them. But the younger fans, for sure, it's what's hot now. It's why UFC and, and all of MMA is so popular. It's a shorter. They don't have to pay attention. There, there's no, uh, you know, a game plan that develops after six or seven rounds before you, you go to phase two. Um, it just, it's a different clientele. And I, I think, you know, boxing originated, modern boxing originated in England and let me tell you, uh, it carries the sport on their back. And I, and I mean that. I really do. Yeah, I mean, I think that that's one of the things that's um, – I, I don't know. I love boxing, and uh, I love the, um, the Larry Merchant quote that, um, you know, you can't save boxing and you can't kill it. And um, uh, no, no, you can't – it's the other way around. You can't kill boxing and you can't save it. And I always like that because that sounds very much like Dracula, and I love Dracula. And I think that even if you think about what happened on Saturday when we lost this great uh, champion, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, had Marvelous woken up um, that morning, um, he would have watched the Chocolatito Estrada fight. He would have been very excited uh, to watch that because he loved the sport. And what would he gotten to see? Um, a spectacular fight that ended on a razor-thin decision where the all-time great, um, you know, some a lot of people thought got the short end of the stick. So in a way, if you think, what, what more fitting thing for Marvelous Marvin Hagler? Because, I mean, and if you look at Chocolatito's record, um, I think that he... He had 50, 53 fights. We don't see that, at least in terms of like you, had, you and Dax were talking about. We're not going to see, at least in American boxing, it's very unlikely we will see another marvelous Marvin Hagler. If there is, he's not. he won't be from America. I think, you know, Chocolatito is a good example because he um, he's paid his dues. And that's the kind of guy Marvin Hagler was, was a champion who paid his dues um, and, and kept coming back. Uh, you know, repeatedly, um, even when you think that maybe, you know, his, his days are, uh, best days are behind him. Um, the other thing that I think last night, I, we had seen her, uh, sort of break out into the scene, uh, when she upset Marlon Esparza, that, uh, Sinicia Estrada, I don't know if you watched that fight last night, but she really, uh, hemmed up Annabelle Ortiz and uh, won the minimum women's minimum minimum weight title, and that was just really a fun fight to watch because um, she was just not going to be denied by any means. You know, the fighters today find the weakest way to a title. They 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 talk crap. No, let me rephrase that. They talk shit. They say, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to fight this one, I'm going to fight that, and they don't. Just like you got dis disgusted with, um, uh, uh, what's his name, yesterday. <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm batting a thousand with my memory. See what age does here with uh, Terrence Crawford. Now, I think Terrence Crawford, I come to Terrence Crawford's defense all the time when I hear people say, oh, he never fought anybody. What are you talking about? He was the B-side, and then all of a sudden they realized how talented he was. Um 
I like his mindset. Keith Thurman is a, is another one that I think is a, is is overrated. Keith Thurman is an overrated fighter, not not Ooh. Terrence. Exactly, exactly, and he's still in the mix. He's still ranked, you know. But you look at the fights yesterday: Virgil Ortiz against Maurice Hooker. Okay, it was an exciting fight. Virgil Ortiz, young up and coming fighter, 147 pounder. Uh, Maurice Hooker, uh, you know, not old by any uh, stretch of the imagination, but um, he had to move up and wait. He was a junior welterweight. Okay, uh, Lawrence Oakley. Uh, fights a, a guy that was a former world champion in Christoph uh, Glowacki. Go, go sack. <laughs> uh, I can never pronounce those names because sometimes it sounds like there's letters that aren't in there. I always thought it was yeah. Glowacki, but it's Golaski. But in any no. event, yes. <laughs> and, yeah, there's no S, I know. But uh, he was ranked, uh, Christoph, let's just call him Christoph. He was ranked uh, number one in the WBO, which was this fight was for the vacant title, and number 13 in the IBF. Uh, Oakley was only rated in the WBO at number two, um, and that title was uh, fight was for a title. When you look at Artur Bidabiev, he's a champion in both the WC, WBC and IBF. Um, miraculously, in the past week, now I checked the rankings, Adam De, uh, Deans was not even rated. All of a sudden, he mysteriously appears in the IBF's ratings, you know. Um, so, I, I mean, you're not seeing, you, this is going back to what you said earlier, you're not seeing the best fight the best, but yet they pound their chest like they did. And, and until that happens, and I understand the reasons why, you know, they're trying to uh, marinate, if you want to steal a word from Bob Arum, um, you know, make as much money as they can. I, they deserve to make as much money as they can. I'm not suggesting otherwise. I'm not. I believe that all fighters should make as much as they can. But just like we talked about uh, Tommy Hearns against Marvin Hagler, the two best fighting each other, did that ruin? Did Tommy Hearns ruin his chance of making money after losing that fight? Absolutely not. You know, sometimes in, in defeat, fighters' value goes up, you know, um, and, and that's where the risk factor. Now, everybody wants to make the most money with no risk. Well, I can understand that from a health perspective. But, you know, everything that makes money requires a risk. Are you going to invest money in that stock that, you know, you're going to roll the dice and gamble with? Well, if you if you hit it right, you're going to make out well. If not, you know, you're living in a refrigerator box, you know. But, I mean, the risk is what makes the reward so much greater. And it, the sport of boxing, all sports for that matter, you know, it doesn't happen anymore. Everyone gets a trophy. Everyone gets a trophy. You know, even pro sports, you're, you're getting accolades for, for trying hard. You know, no. What happened to the only thing that matters in professional sports is winning. You know, Al Davis said his best. Just win, baby. I don't care how you win. Just win. You know, and that's what professional sports is all about. You're getting paid to do it. You know, I don't want to sound, uh, you know, old-fashioned, but I guess I am. And, and for people that are still paying to watch – uh, you know, uh, mediocrity uh, is is it's ridiculous. How can you? Uh, how can we really say that that Beater Beef uh, Dean's fight was a ch world championship fight last night? I mean, come on, it was a stay busy fight. All fighters throughout the history of boxing had stay busy fights. I mean, I'm not going to criticize for that, but let's be real. Let's just call it the way it is. You know, Ortiz, a young fighter fighting Maurice Hooker. It was a great fight. Okay, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. You know, 
I'll tell you the fighter that I feel sorry for is Chop Chop Corley. You know, fighting in a bare-knuckle fighting championship gets beat to... Uh, Reggie Barnett beat the snot out of him before uh, he threw his towel in. Uh, 46 years old. How bad has the sport been to him where he's still fighting at 46 years old? I I, I don't know, man. It, it is disheartening. But uh, the Chocolito fight, you and I talked about it a little bit the other day. I, I thought the fight could have been a draw. I, you know, I think Juan Estrada's uh, big. I, I, I hate to see Gonzalez go out like this. I do think the third fight would be lucrative financially for Gonzalez. Um, but, you know, does he want to have conversations with his grandkids someday? Does he want to have grandkids someday? Maybe he should consider going down and wait and fighting one of those champions. I'm sure he could get a shot. Yeah, I mean, I think the thing about that was, um, and I'm a little surprised too because, you know, we know, you know, boxing, it, it is what it is. Uh, you know, it's pretty corrupt. And I think that it's very rare you see any sort of accountability. Um, so it's strange that uh, the WBA uh, punished that one judge, uh, especially in a fight that I didn't think – I did not think that that, that was such an egregious decision. The scorecard was only those rounds were tough to score because yeah, because some of the punches that Estrada was landing were were very hard. So you know they're making it seem like they're doing something because the media made it seem like that because the fans made it seem like and and when push comes to shove, it was two rounds that that particular judge thought went the other way. Those rounds were close enough, Alex. I agree with you, and I, and I think that's the thing about it. That you know, I, I feel I feel for uh, Chocolatito because you know, had there not been as much of a gap between the last fight, you know, I, I think that he probably would have uh, won more convincingly, or he should have won more convincingly. Um, and I think that's sort of, but that that's like we're talking about with the four kings. Uh, sometimes the 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 thing that uh, differentiates these great fighters is just an, an issue of timing, um, and I think that uh, you know that's not you can't take it as much as I don't want to I don't want to make it sound like getting judges right isn't worthwhile. It certainly is. However, I, I also don't think that uh, punishing a judge is a way to make everything all better. Um, I'm not sure that was the right move in this case. Uh, I don't think that scorecard was particularly egregious. Um, it's not like Jojo Guerra in uh, Hagler Leonard. Come on. Uh, it, that was a very... Estrada Chocolatito was an extraordinarily close fight. There was at least three rounds that could have gone either way. Um, so yeah, I don't know. Uh, that's the thing about this sport is, um, as much as, um, you know, I love it in spite of itself a lot of times. <laughs> I, I, it's a beautiful sickness as they say. Yeah, no, I'm with you. Well, listen, uh, I appreciate you joining us. It's, uh, obviously, uh, something that, uh, um, uh, the, the, uh, it's back. Whatever was missing for me, it's, it's back. Um, so we will be doing more shows. I don't know if we'll be doing them every week, uh, but we will be doing them more often. One thing I want to ask you before we go, um, Marvin Hagler, uh, one final thought on him. Um, uh, we all agree, you, myself, and, and Dax, all agree that he's a 
all-time great middleweight and would have been successful in any era, uh, which to me is the definition of being an all-time great. Uh, you can't say that about a lot of fighters of today. Even, even you know, uh, uh, Dax mentioned Triple G. I'm not so sure he, was, he would be that great in any era. Um, I, I know he's great in this era, but I'm not so sure in any era. But, but Marvin Hagler, definitely. But there's two fighters. I'm, I'm curious to know your thoughts of how he would have fared. And both kind of fit what you described earlier as being perfect opponents for him. And the two names I, that come to mind are Stanley Ketchell and Harry Greb, uh, both fighters that are clearly all-time greats. Um, one uh, knocked down in his prime <clears throat> by a jealous husband, um, and the other uh, by losing his eyesight, and he wasn't as old as people think after almost 300 fights, but both were great. Um, how do you see... And I say the eyesight, it was an operation on his a broken nose, I, I, I believe it was him. Um, how do you see Hagler faring against Ketchel and Harry Greb? God, it's tough. Um, I, I do think that that's, that's definitely the conversation to have. That's not, I don't think that's far-fetched at all to think that he could compete with those guys and do very well. Um, because I do think that you're talk, we're talking about a guy who's top five uh, middleweight of all time. Um, the only guys that you're going to put alongside him are Sugar Ray Robinson, Harry Greb, Carlos Monzon, um, and like you said, Stanley Ketchum, arguably Mickey Walker, and then there's Marvin Hagler. I mean, that that's so. What's that? Six guys, um, and you know, you could I, I w- could I would argue that Hagler's probably third or fourth. Um, I think Ray Robinson beats him. Um, Harry Greb, I don't know. The toughness. I think the idea that Marvin knew knew enough about himself that he would that he thought he would do well uh, because of the way Greb charges people, charged people. I think that, you know, makes me lean towards Hagler. Plus I got him on my arm. Of course, I like, um, and I and I do think that there's something about uh, the modern era um, that even though the the toughness of the older guys was you know without question and and the amount the availability of opponents, so they just saw more t- styles. I do think that you know just plain blunt force trauma, strength training, all those stuff would have given Hagler maybe a little bit of edge against a grab and a catchel. Um, just cause people get, people have gotten stronger, you know? Um, they so don't. I don't know, but I, I, I think that's the other thing that makes him, I, I, I'm, I think I'm going to take a pass on, uh, on saying who would win, but I do think that it's competitive. And I think that's the other thing about it. That's awesome. Is that, uh, and that we can't do anymore is that Marvin Hagler was from the age of 15 round fights. Um, and that's a big that's one of those things that I can't help but think when people say, oh, well, Golovkin would have done well with any of these guys or Floyd Mayweather would have done well with all these guys. Well, one thing they never did was fight a 15-round bout. Yeah, so I, I, I hate sort of an asterisk. Hey, we got somebody in one of the chat rooms that knows you because uh, he said, and he's been upgraded on his arm. So, uh, Sean. Uh, is giving a shout-out to you. But, uh, <laughs> but, but, oh, but, but anyway... 
Um, that's something to run through title bout and uh, fill me in on yeah. how it came out next, uh, yeah, next show. I could do that for next week if you yeah, like. Yeah, yeah put yeah. them in there against the middleweight greats. Because sure we, got, we got some good uh, fights coming up. Uh, whether we do a show next week or the week after, uh, we'll definitely be back. Uh, but uh, in any event, Alex, it's been great. The fire is relit. Let's awesome. just get let's just get rid of COVID, and then I'll be back to my old That's grouchy right. ass self. Have, so. have you been va- vaccinated? No. Did we talk about that? That uh, have you? Uh, I can. I have. To, I'm going to try to register again today. My age group opened up on Friday, but every time I've gone on there, they'd be like, "Try back in 30 minutes." Well, so what are you saying that my age group? Uh, I I uh, I had more opportunities because of my age. <laughs> well, I don't know how your your state's doing it, but that's our state's doing it by age group, and they're on the the forty six to fifty four year old. So well, <clears throat> yeah, I'm in that group. Now. Well, well, our, our state well, I've been is, in that group for a while. is bullies. We're we're the bully state. You know, uh, uh, you know, if you if you don't want to go to a hotel room with Cuomo, he'll 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 bully you. You know, so. <laughs> Um, but uh, I don't know. I, 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 tell you, I wish I, 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 I lost my uh, access to Photoshop because I really wanted to put the, myself into one of those creepy pictures with him. <laughs> well, I tell you about the vaccination. Uh, you know, it just it makes me nervous um, about them. I, but if, if you know, you know, since since our government now is forcing us to do things, uh and uh, eliminating our freedom of speech and censoring what we watch and listen to, since all of that's already taken place, uh, um, you know, if I don't get vaccinated, I'm sure that the police are going to be at my door, um, <laughs> you know, ready to, to remove me. But if I had to take a choice, I think I'd go with that Johnson and Johnson. And I'll tell you why. Not that I'm promoting their products, but from what I understand, they've done a more um, um, the way the the vaccinations the testing has been more of a the way it used to be and and more thorough than some of the others so i i feel a little safer even though it's it's not as effective i guess it's only 89 versus the other ones plus it's a one-shot deal which the one shot yeah, yeah. but yeah uh, i uh um have you ever seen the movie mimic um, that's a really good one with uh, Guillermo del Toro and the way they dealt with a horrible disease actually was by uh, genetic manipulation and uh, things did not go well <laughs> yeah no and, and that's so, what scares me about this but uh, but we'll see we'll see but Alex it's been great look forward to next time brother alright Billy C take care see you later it's my man uh, Alex Papali giving us his uh, thoughts and uh, we'll uh, we'll keep uh uh, keep you up to date. We're, we are going to be doing some more shows, but uh, in any event, hey, listen, uh, it's that time again where uh, I got to say goodbye. I got to say goodbye. But uh, I want to thank, uh, first of all, uh, a shout out to, to to my man Sal Rocky Senecola, and uh, hopefully next show we do, he'll he'll be part of. Like I said earlier, um, I, I spoke to him the other day, and uh, he has officially told me he has uh, got another win uh, on his professional record. And this time, it's against a foe that very rarely loses in cancer. So, uh, shout out to my man, uh, Sal. I love you. Miss you. And uh, look forward to doing a show real soon. I also want to thank uh, our sponsors, uh, Title Bout Championship Computer Game, Southern Gourmet Spice, uh, and, of course, uh, my book, uh, Tom Molino from uh, Baddest Man, from Bondage to Baddest Man on the Planet. Get yourself a copy. I am telling you, 
that this book will make it to the big screen. Uh, we're working on that as we speak. I probably shouldn't have said that. This has been discussed in the past. It just takes a long time, but we're closer now than uh, we ever were before. So uh, my final thoughts on Marvin Hagler. He's going to be missed. Was one of the all-time great middleweights. Never will we see uh, uh, fights uh, like he was in, in my opinion, again, nor will we find fighters like him. Um, I say this all the time. Uh, the 80s were considered the last great era of boxing. If someone asked me that in 1986 or 1987 or 1989, if I thought I was witnessing the last great era of boxing, I would have laughed because the previous eras were so much more exciting in my mind back then. But to fast forward it, all these years later and to see the the condition the sports in right now it's very easy for me to say that the 1980s was the last great era in the sport of boxing we will never get to that point again because of just the way society has become we're afraid to speak our mind everybody's afraid to offend each other you know no matter what you say you're a racist we were being hassled today in the in this uh uh, one of the chat rooms be, because of it, because I, I said something about Deontay Wilder, uh, which is true. Um, he does not have talent. He's got uh, punching power. That's it. That's not talent in the sport of boxing. You need more than that. He was successful and became a world champion with that power, so I give him credit for that. And if hopefully financially he's set for the rest of his life. Whether he comes back or not, I don't know. But the attitude and mental fortitude of fighters today is nothing like it was and it will never go back same thing with sports alex made a comment earlier with all sports i meant um alex made a comment earlier there's always been the question oh well are fighters from yesteryear better than fighters of today the answer is no the fighters of today are technically better we're bigger we're faster we're stronger we know how to eat we scientifically know how to work uh, different muscles um, you look at one of my all-time favorite fighters in Jack Johnson. Jack Johnson was considered a monster in his time. He wasn't six foot one. He was six foot and a half, um, 217 pounds. This was a monster of his day. Today, uh, he would be a small heavyweight. So it just goes to show you that we've changed, and so has boxing. Um, and although I miss yesteryear, and if we had uh, that mental uh, part of the game that we used to have today we would be treated to really uh, a great era of boxing but because the athletes themselves and the fans for the most part aren't willing to take that risk um, which is a risk you take a risk every time you step in a ring for not coming out the same or even alive but you're taking that same risk in most contact sports um, we're overly careful it is what it is. I'm too old to fight anymore. Um, so, I, I, you know, I'd be a hypocrite. Uh, but uh, it is what it is. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for all our sponsorships. We will be back soon. Uh, drop me an email. We will be reading emails. I had a ton of them. A lot of them were outdated. Uh, but drop me an email. Give me your thoughts. Billy at Talking Boxing. T-A-L-K-I-N-B-O-X-I-N-G.com. Uh, until next time. Make sure you tune in. Same bad time, same bad channel. Until then, ciao.